we 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 might break a few very small things, but overall things should be staying the same. This update. Yeah. Uh, I'm but I'm glad you're enjoying the presets. Sorry. Like, oh, sorry. Yeah, it's sometimes oh, hard with the delay. No, Let me make sure that that we go uh, onto a region that's in the middle for everyone. I think that that should make it better. US West usually works better. So please, uh, who was speaking? Sir Gog, you wanted to say something? Yeah, no, I was just going to say, um, like, I think in the past you've had one sound for Awakened Sextants and then one sound for Exalted Orbs in the past. And I assume, obviously, Divines will go to what Exalts used to sound like. But I'm curious which of those sounds you're going to put Exalted Orbs to on, on day one. Um, so my strategy there is... First, I'll put both Exalted Orbs and Divine Orbs into T1. Yeah. And they'll be staying there until the economy will reach some equilibrium. And now both Orbs are allowed to move below the Exalted Orb tier, but not below the Divine Orb tier, just to prevent some sort of automation errors or price fixing or whatever. So there'll be both all of these top tier orbs except the mirrors. This also includes all kinds of other orbs, awakened orbs and so forth. So will be now stuck between those tiers and can move up and down those tiers. And when it comes to actually the calculating the prices for items, because items have always a flat and a percentual threshold. For instance, like a T1 is something like 30 chaos plus 10% or 50% of exalted orb, it will now use the higher of the two orbs. So if divine orb is higher, it will be using that threshold. If the exalted orb is higher, it will be using that threshold. So it is pretty independent yeah. of whatever's going on with, with that. Yep. All and right. Starting with both as gold tier makes sense. I think that exalts will be 50 C day one because they're so useful on bench crafts. Then I'll fall. But not not as far as people think. Eight chaos exalts. Let's go. <laughs> Didn't they remove all of the exalts benchcrafts, or did they leave some? No, they left. No, only the meta mods. Percent oh, fizz like that. One hundred twenty nine percent fizz percent local fizz. Ah, so they only move the meta crafts. Yeah. Yep. Okay, yeah. I, they, I missed that. They list the five that are being changed into divine okay. orbs. Four of them from exalts. One from. One of them from um, Blessed Orbs. All the rest of them that were exalts stay exalts. All the ones that are currently divines are changing either to chaos mm -hmm. or to exalts, and we don't know. So things Very like 20 to 25% fizz conversion to cold, uh, that's currently one divine. That may become one exalt. That may become 12 chaos. We don't know. Yeah, but there's plenty of decent crafts for exalts still. Like mm -hmm. Most notably, I think the the tier one, like you said, increased fizz and spell damage with uh, fizz, uh, non chaos is extra chaos, but also the hits can't be evaded for three exalts. Yeah. And uh, there, there's a number. Tier one local attack speed. Yeah, tier one attack speed, so on. Oh, by the way, I'm keeping this in. This is super relevant to our listeners. So the podcast already started. Welcome everyone to Faded Connections <laughs> episode perfect, okay. number yep. eighty two. Today we talk about the latest drip of uh, of news for 3.19 Lake of Calandra, which is starting in less than 23 hours. And uh, to discuss all the stuff that we've been uh, told, here with me is not only Balor Mage, but also Neversink and Sir Gog. Welcome to you both. 
we haven't had you on in a long time, Neversink. Would you like to quickly uh, say some words about uh, yourself? For people who don't know Neversink, this is basically the inventor of the Neversink filter as well as the you know, creator of the, the same website, Filterblade, that allows you to customize that filter. Thanks, Catmaster. Uh, so first of all, thank you for the invitation. And well, as you've already introduced me, um, I'm Neversink. I'm 32 from Germany. I'm playing PoE since basically the beta times. And at the same time, I do some development for some IT projects such as Filterblade and my filter and some other things. So I guess it, PoE is kind of this two-parted game for me where there's the meta IT game where I'm trying to solve the puzzle of what the hell is going GEG to do with the economy this time and the meta changes and keep users happy and at the same time trying to figure out how to make my build work usually like one hour before the leak starts because there's a ton of things to do. <laughs> so yeah, thanks. Really excited. There's a lot of exciting changes there and I was really hungry for a good new leak with some new spells. Um, so yeah, really excited to be here. Yeah, um, there's so much to talk about. I'm looking forward to getting into all of it. Um, quickly give Sir Gog a, a short moment. Welcome. How are you doing? How's it going? What have you been up to? Yeah, I'm all right. I always love this period of the league where it's like just the crazy hype season and there's like you're excited to look at a whole bunch of things that haven't yet been proven not to be very effective. So there's a whole lot of possibilities still up in the air. So it's always my favorite part of always my favorite part of the league is usually the up to about three or four days in from two weeks before it starts to about three or four days in. Well, let's hope that this time is a little bit longer with a little bit more mysteries to unravel as we explore the lake. And uh, <laughs> also, hi, Beller. How have you been? How's the the pre league hype going? Holding oh, up. Oh man, I I am very hyped about this league. But I don't, I don't really get pre-league hype anymore. I get pre-league stress <laughs> because it's just, it's just, there's just a lot of work to do in the week leading. It's basically, it's relaxing time. Twenty-three hours from now, right? Like when the league starts, yes. is when I stop working and start having fun. <laughs> like it just, it's, it's stress time this week. There's, look, I put out. For me, a ton of videos. Like, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like compared to my normal thing, and like I don't have a team or anything. Like it's compared to how many I normally do. We've got a ton of YouTube videos in the last week, and that's that's been just. I'm actually looking uh, forward to watching the Atlas Passive Tree one myself because I have no idea what Atlas Passive Tree strat I'm going with. I mean, I have a rough idea where everything is on there and. What's going to be useful, but yeah. oh, it just so yeah. Like I am excited. I think the league is actually going to be great. Actually, going to be great. Um, luckily, right? Okay. So what I do have is an editor who does all all my editing, which is we would have one. We'd have half the amount of videos without him. That's great, but it's still stress time. But uh, oh, oh. I, the thing I'm the most excited about is the economy, by the way. Like, absolutely having no idea what the hell's going to happen or what any unique is going to be worth. Like, yeah. I... Ah, ooh, ooh. 
Oh and, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we mentioned the the divine and exalted uh, changes in the beginning, right before the intro. Uh, but also, like the unique stuff makes it completely unpredictable. I mean, we have no idea. I talked about this uh, with some people before we started this uh, podcast segment. Uh, people were telling me obliteration leak start, and I was like, I'm not so sure I would count on obliteration on leak start. I mean, they significantly buffed it, and I, I'm worried that obliteration might actually be like as rare as like the tier below void battery or even on the same tier. Who knows? I mean, it was incredibly powerful for so long, and now they gave it additional power. And I mean, there's diff cards to reliably farm it. I think that thing is going to be going to be much rarer than people expect. Yeah, I think with um, with uniques that have single single outcome divination cards like Obliteration or Chevron's Wrappings, I think they're a bit more reliable. Uh, but that said, I do think it is plausible that Obliteration could be the same tier as Chevron's Wrappings is if with the buffs. And so in that situation, yeah, that's going to not be trivial to farm at all. We'll have to find that out. And, yeah, there's the stuff someone in your chat saying about um, Heist. Like, we don't know for certain that the Endless Heist strategy hasn't been changed. It was, it's not been I changed. I didn't mention anything. But there's a lot of things that GGD will occasionally change uh, drops when there's a particular strategy that feels OP that does occasionally get changed. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to be fair, in order to, to farm up stuff from Heist, you don't need to use the Endless Heist strat. You can, like, just buy the... the 76 uh, 67 ones from uh, Wakano or even lower if you start heisting earlier and you'll still be able to get like a decent amount of uh, uniques currency and all that stuff yeah and heist is on the map device as well so you can turn 6 chaos into into two contracts 0.32 blueprints on average and a bunch <laughs> of coins I didn't know the exact numbers on that but that's great Oh, that assumes you allocate the stuff on the tree for the double your chance of blueprints. Yeah, I've um, I never, I've never taken high stuff before. I usually, I usually don't block it for the first week because they're too expensive, and then I just block it. Mm. But you can actually make a pretty good amount of money and with all the juice they took out of maps. I think heist is going to be more expensive, like more valuable to sell than before. So I probably end up leaving that on. Did they end up like saying that there was a bug or that they fixed one there? Because I remember like the first time I think I don't know whether it was last league, but like either last league or the league before that, I I went into the Atlas Passive Tree and I directly went for Heist. And I swear I didn't get a single blueprint until I specced out of Heist and then they stopped uh, started dropping. I mean, it could be hmm. just coincidental, but I felt like the the chain the chance to drop blueprints uh, fully revealed or something like that somehow messed with my blueprints drops. But, I've had know. fully revealed print drops from it. It definitely works. It's, it is just it is rare. It is rare. You don't get so many blueprints, and the chance of it to be identified, well, to be fully revealed, is ten percent. So. Uh, if you're unlucky, you might go on an unlucky streak like 20 in a row, and you then that means you won't see a single one that is fully reviewed in days or even weeks, depending on how much you run it. Oh yeah, but, but I didn't. I didn't just get <clears throat> no single, like no fully revealed ones. I didn't get a single one. That's what I was saying. Like, hmm. like over yeah, that seems strange. Twenty or thirty calculations on it, and 
uh, seems blueprints are about 170 times as rare as maps. So for every 500 map drops you get, you should get about three blueprints. That doubles with your Atlas effects. So, you, uh, sorry, with your um, Atlas nodes to six. So you're still getting Wait. only about, you're Hang still on. getting 99% less map blueprints than you are maps. Where do we get that number from? Uh, this is Poor Fishwife. The amount of testing she does is absolutely crazy. Like, there's a large sample size. So, there's a, a question that comes up with that because I can guarantee you one or two blueprints a map in my maps. But I do not get 150 map drops per map, not even close. Maybe 40? Uh, your lower tier maps would be being converted into map equity, and then you get like this is on a this is on a um, atlas that can drop maps of all tiers, so zero void stones. Yeah. So your tier twelve maps are being converted into one eighty first of a tier sixteen, so a um, one in eighty one chance to get a sixteen. So if I'm getting forty to fifty maps, if I enabled if I changed my atlas to enable every single map tier drop. You think I'd actually yep. see in that level of juice about 150, 200 maps to yep. account for me getting at least one blueprint and sometimes two every single map. That would actually make sense. That would actually make sense. There would be a lot of maps I'd have to hide because we wouldn't want them, but that would make we sense. Just try it. one map and just see what happens. Hmm. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, have you guys seen... I'm just looking at them again, so I'm getting a little bit distracted here on the side because I'm preparing the the graphics to pull up on the screen. But have you guys seen these? What was the, these Grand Spectrum reveals that we've been getting? Five percent oh, increased yeah. max life per Grand Spectrum. That sounds tasty. So good. so good. These are very exciting. I think they're also great because they target a, a very interesting spectrum. So. At the very end of the player power curve, I don't think you'll be using these. Sweet juice yeah. is way too expensive. You get Correct. better stuff out there. Like the Uber juice, you can get triple set watcher's eyes, amazing timeless juice, and all the kind of cluster stuff is better than the grand spectrums. But yeah. at the middle range, if the if they didn't make them like T1 rare. They are very exciting. So you actually have to pay a solid price, but you get a lot of power. And it's a nice way to boost certain abilities of your build until you get these extremely powerful items. So I think it's a very good, strong buff to pretty much any mid-range, mid-experience player. Like If you can invest frenzy charges, it's up to 15 18% more damage to their attack speed and the well flat more, more percent damage. If you want to get some more survival and don't charge, it's amazing. So it's really, really nice to pretty much just mix and match, and I absolutely love these. I think this is great. I'm personally looking very forward to the endurance charge one. It's going to be super useless, so please sell it for one chaos to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. No, I, I find myself in agreement with that uh, evaluation because, like, you know, if you just look at it by itself, like, even if you're using three 15% increased max life per grand spectrum, 15% increased max life is a lot on one jewel if you think mm -hmm. about it. But if it's the only stat, then it's it's basically just three times 5% life. And then if you cons compare that to a rare. Crimson Jewel, which can have 7% life, almost half of 15, well, and then three other lines on top and a Corrupt or like a Harvest Implicit or something. It's it's 7.5 life per point. point. That's, what I'm, that's what I'm counting it as. That's assuming <clears throat> you've got 
two-point jewels available because you'd always yes. take the two-point jewels. Those are the, those are the only ones I ever take unless I'm desperate for something. But I think most people who use jewels that are like 5 to 50 C, yeah. these are going to end up being better than in one form or another, whether it's the life-specific one or the others. Like it'll probably actually be a mix of them. Like um, I would look at it different builds that I put out, like the um, explosive arrow raider that I think will be really good. And I was looking at that and I was like, huh, it generates frenzy charges already automatically. It's a raider. It's 30% off ailment avoidance that you needed to get on gear. And generating power charges and endurance charges is really hard or impossible. Yeah. I'm like, I would just get one power charge one, one endurance charge one, and one ailment avoidant one. And then I've got 32% ailment avoidance capping me. Permanent endurance charges, permanent power charges. Raider generates frenzies on his own. That's fantastic early league. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, and then you replace elevated influence gear later. Yeah. Like, yeah. as long as those yeah. aren't set to tier one rarity, because if you get to the point where you're spending 20x for a jewel and you're getting like a perfect four stat jewel, you're blowing it out of the water. Even at the mm -hmm. time when you're spending two or three x for a jewel and you've got like three perfect stats and like one bullshit roll that's still somehow relevant, but not one of the things you were after, and they're only 5x, that's still going to beat them. So it's really like an early to mid-level thing. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting enough, that if they're very rare, they'll become cheaper because of that. Because you need multiples of them, you can't really buy or sell just one and be happy with that. So they need to be sold yeah. in sets, which will make them quite useless. So their demand will actually go down because only certain people will be affording those and most of them will simply not sell. So even if they're like T2 or T3 rare, I don't think they'll be way too expensive. By far, not many builds can afford putting in three effective jewel sockets and will want to go with the Grand Spectrums. But I think a bunch of them will. So it's it's a nice compromise. I'm very looking forward to see how they behave. And I think it's... I mean, GG said they wanted to raise the power of the players by around 5-10% to 10 per league. I think this is one of the biggest power boosters they're giving us at this time. So... It's quite a nice one. Uh, I think one of the other things with these is that you'll be able to get them corrupted. And that's something that it's actually easier to get premium corruptions on a unique like these than it is mm. to get them on extremely expensive things. Uh, in chat just now and on Twitter, we just got a new post of a new spoiler. Oh, uh, oh okay. I'm, we can do I'm a sorry, we have to jump into that ring stream. right there. There's a, there's a, uh, yeah, uh, that new ring base. Just oh, wait, that, that's literally a ring that we can jump into. <laughs> wow. Oh. Okay, so Penumbra oh, ring base. Left ring slot has reduced effect of curses on you. Right ring slot increased effect of curses on oh. you. Wow. Okay. Oh, <laughs> my God. Okay, so that this is, is a mirror one. This is actually one of the... You, you can get these new bases only as rewards from the lake, right? And when you're offered a reward from the lake, you get offered two mirrored counterparts. And yep. th this one we can see adds flat physical to attacks against you, not to physical yeah. attacks that you deal. And it has the negative region, lose 29 life per second. 
And it also has fizz attack yeah. damage leached by enemy as life. <laughs> That's but, uh, interesting. But, but the only thing that matters there to me is 30% increased effect of curse on you. This is on you. That's huge. Now, sadly, yeah, you can't you wear two of them the to get control. 60. Well, please so go for good. it. What do you want to say in everything? Yeah. I, I didn't. No, get... I mean, if you get the good trolls on these, these could be quite exciting, quite amazing. I mean, oh yeah. I think in general, this. So I think this boss is very interesting because I've been already asking myself, how will some mods mirror themselves? So it's interesting to see how it's implemented them, and it's going to be very exciting to see how some, let's say. Um, June mods, some um, Veiled mods are going to mirror the cells, so this is going to be quite interesting as well. And just thinking about that, some shenanigans with things like increased effect of um, chill on you will be very exciting for self-chill builds, so I'm really happy to see the self-curse ring as well. There's a lot of cool stuff you can do with stem chains. Yeah, this arrow breaks your character if you equip it as is with, a cha with Chaos Inoculation too. Hmm. Lose 29. Oh my god. Yep. Oh god, yep. Yep. Right. Yeah. This is this is like your character is broken, and this is something <clears throat> GGD cannot let go live without a fix that says something like, you know, this item cannot be worn on a character with chaos inoculation. Why not? I mean, uh, why couldn't up, they let it go live like that? Kill the character. The instant you raise, the instant you raise in town, you're dead again. I don't think so because life regen doesn't actually apply in town. So I assume lose oh. life will apply in town. You would just not be able to resin your hideout. Yeah, exactly. If you but resin I, your hideout, you insta dead. I don't need assumption. I, I don't I think you can die in fine. town. I don't think you can die in town. But yeah, I find, I find it super interesting just what you said and everything right now to see how these mods are uh, brought to the negative because I would have assumed mm -hmm. that you'd have negative physical damage, like just removes physical damage from attacks that you deal and and the, the have leg negative leech. So you take a percentage of the damage that you deal over, over a couple of seconds. But that applies actually to your enemies rather than to your character. It's also an interesting access mm -hmm. to, to mirror it on. Yeah, because I'd been thinking of um, one of the mods that would be quite safe to mirror was things like uh, you have a minimum of t uh, you have a minimum of one endurance charge, but maybe that's not safe to to put into the crangulator. Wait. I mean, what would be the negative of uh, plus one endurance charge? Mi minus one minus minimum one. endurance charge, right? Yeah. yeah, but presumably you have an absolute minimum of zero, unless they don't have an absolute minimum of zero. Or I just, hope they have zero. <laughs> or just going negative makes it negative max. That's what I would have done if I was... Well, then you have yep. a negative endurance charge. Yeah, <laughs> now you can only get two endurance charges. If you take a none on the tree, you're back to three. But that's oh, the point. Oh, that's it's what you mean. Be... I, I, thought you, uh, I thought you meant you actually lowered your minimum endurance charges to minus one, so you could actually go below zero endurance charges, and that, because that would make no sense. It's an interesting thought experiment. <laughs> but you know, like just like electrons fly around protons and neutrons to make up regular atoms, you know how antimatter has, has positrons, like positively <laughs> charged electron-like particles and yeah. A positronic uh endurance charge, what would it do? 
it have the negative effect. Okay, I'm going off on a limb here. Super interesting um, uh, to see the curse effect interaction and also not too overpowered because you can only use it on one side, right? You can't use two of those yeah. rings because you don't they don't get just to cancel each other out. Which is good because my first thought was like 60% and then I was like, wait, no, no, <laughs> no. I can only use one of them. 30%, still good. I do wonder whether you can fi- uh, whether you can five for one those rings and get a craft pull one, the base. Here's here's the real question: If I wear it on my right ring socket, so that I have, or left ring socket rather, so I have reduced effective curses, and then and you I use mirror it on the Calandra ring, ring yeah. does it does it become a right socket one? No, yes. it has the exact same stats that oh, yeah, it has, sorry. but then it's on your other socket. Yeah, I mean, I think we mean the same out. thing. Yeah, so if you mirror it, it would cancel itself out, not give you the one it's got twice. Well, because it still counts as wearing it on the other slot, and it just has the exact same stats line for line. The only reason I ask that is because that's the exact kind of thing that that sometimes gets overlooked and is super busted early. Yeah, but that was talked about in the Q&A with with, uh, Chris. Uh, Ziggy brought up the Uh, example of the, the unique ring, the Sharon's... Ring, what Flash. is it called? Revelation, yeah. The one that has uh, ES region and mana region, depending on oh, which yeah. ring slot right. you wear. I remember that. I remember that. He said it the way it mechanically works or something is that it it essentially just is acting like you're wearing the ring in that other slot as exactly. well. Exactly. Yeah. Something right. was asked in the chat. Can you five to one sell these to get the base? Yeah, Sir Gog brought that up, and I don't see any reason why you wouldn't, other than like a artificially yeah. imposed restriction. Like you could do that with the the socket quiver base, for example, from Maloney's yeah. mechanism. Historically, you could do it. Okay, so if it works with mirror, that's going to be very exciting. So you can recraft it in an influence state. That's quite awesome. I've never you can tried also put quality on that. So like put I don't any quality make it stronger. Cast Wait, okay. usually has the tag for curses, but only if it's tagged. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, you, we'd have to press the highlight key on it to find out whether the implicit yep. has a caster tag. Twitter, please. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't but think if it works, works, that becomes what thirty six percent. Yep. Yeah. And there's yeah, there's no way to influence it. Oh well, I mean, you could influence it, but it wouldn't. Um, it wouldn't. Add any more of that stat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you used to be able to five for one the, um, like after you'd, the, you'd vendor five corrupted Maloney's mechanisms to get back an uncorrupted ornate quiver. Then, with the way that fractured fossils used to work, you could just print them by doing the five for one. Yeah. Well, but you say that's how it used to work. You can't do it anymore. The fracture part, or you can't do the five for one anymore. Fractured fossils are changed. They no longer create mirrored items. They now create split ones, and they split the original. Right, and you can't split an already split item in the, historically. Uh, but you, you can still make the quiver base. Well, these days you'd be making it by corrupting them. Yeah. Oh right, yeah, right. Ah, yeah. yeah, makes sense. Unless someone in standard wants to waste five mirrors testing, testing it by um, mirroring <laughs> a bunch of one eight quivers, uh, <laughs> sounds good. We'll find out soon enough. 
Yeah, and I don't I don't think that the the leak mechanic actually changes implicits, right? So if you were to craft on a base that you made on like on on this and you bring it back in, you'd be guaranteed to get two rings to pick from that have that exact implicit. Yep. So fingers crossed that you can actually like you can actually get these bases. I mean, honestly, I can't I imagine, imagine why they would patch out something out. like Please, sorry. I was just saying, I can't imagine these bases being all that rare. Like, I think you'll be able to get these as you'll get these rings quite a bit from the from the league mechanic. They'll just mostly be garbage. Yeah. I think so too. If the five to one vendor recipe works, at least getting bases to craft normal rings will be quite quite easy. Mm. Getting a good one with doubled stats that you care about quite hard. Oh, it's actually not that hard. I listened to Bayclast and Captain Lance, uh, <laughs> assuming that it's a 50-50, right? Because we, we've seen most of the outcomes as having like three yep. doubled stats and three negative stats. Uh, and you get two variants. So like the number one stat that you care about is a, is guaranteed to be doubled on one of the two items, right? Uh, so you're guaranteed have that, and then the second stat that you want would be a 50-50, whether it's yeah. on the item that you have your first stat on, and the last one would be another 50-50, so it's a 1 in 4 chance, like, bringing an item That's in. Correct. That's yes. not correct. Yeah, I have a maths background, and um, you're treating them as independent outcomes there, so you're saying that each one is an independent coin flip, but what happens is that once you lock in that your first one is one of your three wins... That decreases your probability on of getting of winning on the other mods. But there's the chance no getting chance of failure. Yeah, there's 10%. no chance to fail for the first one because it's on one of the two items, right? Because yeah, I mean, we don't know exactly yeah. how it works. This is all. This is all uh, assuming. So, assuming it's fifty percent round up on one and fifty percent round down on the other, you are ten percent to get the three exact mods you want doubled, and you are forty percent to get the exact two mods you want doubled. I mm, what? So there are if you have if you're splitting if you've got a six mod item as your input, right. then you're going to get three mods on the left ring, three mods on the right ring. That's the assumption we're making. There are twenty different ways that you can have your three mods allocated between your three positives allocated, and of those, two are wins and eighteen are losses. If you want to get three exact mods. So I'd say that your input ring is plus one all skills, plus one uh, fire skills, and tier one life. Uh, not not input ring, input amulet, and then right. three garbage mods. There are there are twenty different ways that they can be split between the left the left output and the right output, of which two of them you're going to consider a win because they have those mods doubled, and the other eighteen you're going to consider a loss. Mm-hmm. Six That's choose Remember that, that remember combinatorics from maths. That is correct, but there's two things that I'm not. I'm not actually that deep into maths, but I use statistics a lot in a lot of fields. So two things come to my mind that are a little bit confusing here. First of all, the outcomes are linked; they're not independent. Yeah. One you will one if you pick out one individual mod and assuming every time the mod is either doubled or negated, you will always get at least one mod you want. So let's say you want uh, your life doubled. So one win is automatically right. So if you want that to happen, you basically need for the second mod to align with the chance that you want. So the second mod you want, the chance is 50%, as far as I'm aware, because you will automatically win on the first mod, 
you will always get the ring with one mod if you want it, right? Can you agree on that? Yeah. 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 Okay. There's two two mods left that double and three mods that that negate double, and so you're two in five to get your second mod. Because there are two. You're right. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. You're right. The and then your third is, mod yeah. is one in four because yeah. there is one mod left that's going to double. Yeah. And there are three mods um, left that won't double. So that assumes that you want to double all three mods. I think there's cases where you actually want to negate a certain mod, like Doriani's prototype, in which case Very this actually mod. might be more favorable for you. It's more favorable, yeah. Especially so if you're making the ring for sale, you, you don't really care about whether you got a huge negative lightning res so you can sell it to a Doriani student, or you get a huge positive yeah. one so you can sell it to someone else. Both us and everyone else has made an assumption that it's always going to be three and three. Has that been written anywhere? Have we seen no, that? No, no, this is just purely inferred no. from the material. It's like, I'm wondering if it's like a, actually just a straight up 50-50 chance of everyone. Like, is it literally possible, <clears throat> though incredibly rare, for me to just be like, oh, I doubled six stats. I'm a god. This is that, a, be, that will be ridiculous. Point. I doubt it. But we've we've seen nothing that is not half the mods rounded up on on one yeah. side, half the mods rounded down on the other. And usually, GGG will show one of the most extreme outcomes possible. If it were possible, if it weren't guaranteed, if it's like literally just like a fifty fifty shot, do we know what the math would be on the chance to get six doubles? It's actually quite good for you. Yep. So oh, I don't think that's the case. That's that way too easy. No way. Yeah. Way too I easy. Can, I could easily cross 32 disgusting rings and just slam them in. That can't be the case. No, I okay. can't imagine. The, sorry, I can't it. imagine them like making a very, very small chance that, let's say, four are double, two are negated on one ring, and maybe even a smaller for five, and maybe even a smaller for six one, but it wouldn't be like one in 32. It'd need to have some sort of incredible returns. So it would be maybe like for six, it would be one in 100,000 because otherwise you have literally a ring that yeah. every yeah. single stat is doubled and then you buy yourself a mirror ring and you're like wearing four rings. So um, yeah, I don't think that will ever happen. It'll look like you're wearing two extra chest pieces that were really, really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, and also I mean, you the, can count that it's yeah. double because of Doriani's prototype existing. So negative lightning resist is a positive mod. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd even argue there that there's others. probably more more mods where the negative is actually an upside yeah. as well. Self-freeze, self-shock, all kind of the elements, these things can be used by fulcrum builds. Yeah, that and like uh, negative resists are, even if you're not Dorianis, they're not necessarily a downside, you know, because nowadays we have access to resists from so many sources, it's so easy to get irresists capped and overcapped for weakness and... We, we all have curse effect reduction and all that. What, um, what anyway. I'm going to be going for, yeah, right, will be a, like a, a top tier lightning, so that no matter what happens to it, it's good. And then two of the like lowest tier mods that I can think of, like you know, I want something that says like six fire and three light and three cold or something, and then really oh. good prefixes, right? And then we'll just, I'm just going to sit there and hope because I've now guaranteed the one mod that I want. The first one, because that's always going to be there. And we've guaranteed lightning that's going to be good, because it's either doubled and it's a stupid amount of lightning res, or it's negative and it's great for Doriani's. And now you've got two stats guaranteed. Mm. And then, so now there's only, you're only rolling for two more stats. And that, that feels like the best way to, for me to, for me anyway, that feels like the best way to go about it. 
We'll have to yeah, see. Someone pointed out in chat that Digity posted items that have got wrong numbers of prefixes and suffixes yes. as outcomes from this as well. Yeah. So let's quickly talk about that. Is that from items that you put in, or I think that's only from the unit from because there's two different ways that you can get <laughs> rewards from like these this mirror mechanic, and one of them is the lake offers you two mirrored opposites of like one reward and you get to pick one and the other one is that you bring in a ring that you already crafted oh, or got from somewhere else and that then gets split so i believe that on the latter example where you bring in a ring you don't get shuffle prefixes or suffixes but from what we've seen like the frequency of odd numbers of prefixes and suffixes well sorry makes me think that um that the rings that the lake offers you um, they have a, a chance to spawn just with four suffixes and two prefixes or have a chance for suffixes to mm -hmm. count as prefixes or vice versa? So the other one that's messy is the convoking ring that they gave as an example. Yep. Right. Yeah, there was at least two that were wrong. There was a convoking ring on pathofexile.com forward slash calandra uh, that had some really strange looking stats like 66 lightning resist from memory. And I'm not sure whether there is a general change to the way that rare items are, are generated by the game, which would be huge because, like, I've already said that all existing crafting guides are pretty much dead unless they're modified, but that would be even more substantial. Like, that would be a huge transformation of fossil mm -hmm. crafting if you can now have two prefix for, for suffix items and stuff like that. And, but, yeah, that, that almost looked like it was a seven mod ring. I remember it, but I can't find it right now on the slash Calandra. Uh, Pathofexile.com forward slash Calandra, I think, and then there'll be a section where there's new items. It only, just, it only just occurred to me right then, because you were talking about fossils, that there might be there might be delve mods that we could double. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, that's going to be a thing. When you bring in a ring, bring it in with essence mods, with delve wow. mods, with temple mods. Like... <clears throat> The options are, are quite uh 10% life reservation efficiency. Self-cursing. Oh. I mean, potentially oh. negated curse rings could curse yourself or curse Plus you. Plus two skeletons. I found the ring. It's in the press kit. Um, oh, it's in the press kit. I got that on the PC. Right. Yeah. I'll bring it up. So I just, I just posted it in our chat. But Perfect. Yeah, it's That's in the press kit. Minion item underscore bone ring. Is the file name? Mm, I think the chat is delayed for me. But the things that look like explicit mods: fourteen all attributes, thirty-five decks, seventeen to thirty-three fire to attacks, forty fire rares, sixty-six lightning rares, minion move speed thirty percent, minion damage thirty-two percent. Unless that last thing is a hybrid with the move speed and damage. That feels like it's a, a seven mod ring. Yeah, that's likely and a hybrid, but then also it has four suffixes because all attributes, dexterity, fire res, and lightning res. No, this so. is a regular drop. Yeah, that's that's true. Bone rings are in the regular drop pool. They're not. Uh, they're not from the the lake mechanic exclusively. That which makes it even weirder, right? And doesn't have the mirror attack, so this is you can't say that this is one that someone brought in to modify. 
And this has no mods above uh, level 64 either because the required level is 51. Yeah. Weird. What do we make of this, guys? Do you, what What is it, do you think? Do you think, like, the, the, these somehow in this new league we get to bend the rules of item creation? I mean, that, that must be it. So chances are, chances are that there is there are surprises about the whole lake thing that we don't know. Because in all honesty, I didn't find it way too interesting when they first announced just uh, doubling and negating normal items. So there might be some things we don't know, but there's also the chance that this is simply something they've created for the press kit and it doesn't actually exist. But I don't know why that go with all the bother. So. It it is very strange. I mean, the sixty six lighting resistance itself is incredibly strange. Um, yeah, this yeah. mod alone already kind of gives the idea that well, this shouldn't exist like that. And yeah. maybe there are some new hybrid mods we don't know, but it it really doesn't make sense. So I'm gonna assume that there's maybe some special secret encounter maybe in the calandra where you can just throw in an item and maybe it spits it out with an additional mod because if you can put an item in there that gets mirrored maybe if there's a final calandra encounter instead of giving you uniques and gives you some new rewards where you can create an uber mirrored version or something like that i'm not certain but it's definitely exciting it could also however be that it's not in this case, the, the lake mechanic, we, I mean, obviously that's implied by it not having a mirror tag, and that is just that the bone rings, the new minion items, have like a, a unique mod pool, similar to how, you know, convoking ones can roll minion stats that normal ones can't roll. Maybe bone rings can roll attributes as prefixes for whatever reason, because summoners need attributes. Um, or extra high resists. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe that's specific to the bone ring. Just because, hear me out. Uh, the idea behind the minion change was that they take away power from the minion gems and the gem levels and the ascendancies and put it into items. And they were like, well, summoners now, like everyone else, will have to itemize to let their power grow. But summoners previously already utilized all six affix slots on their items, right? They, summoners are pretty much starved for stats. And in a lot of spaces, and they're also starved for sockets. So if you now put a bone ring on that doesn't even have a socket and has the minion res, great, that's great to help your minions survive, but it's not really a chase stat for summoners, right? So you're giving up a ring slot yep. that could be a socket, then, yeah, it makes sense that they'd allow those rings to roll the um, the explicit stats in a, in a funky way that... Uh, support summoners what do you guys think here's a question for you though let's say that you were leveling through through act 10 on a character that is a frostblades raider and you had this drop you identified this yes. you would equip this yes like mm -hmm. you'd be like wow i am putting this straight on i don't care about this minion damage garbage on it um i'm using this for its other stats and level 51 that just maybe like a yeah. strange thing Although as a raider, I wouldn't care that much about decks. But yeah, the resist would be nice. Yeah, to be. Yeah. It's a goldrum, and it's got fire damage to attacks. It's got like it's it's better than a goldrum. Yeah. Yep. To be honest, my current theory, what I'm kind of thinking, maybe this is some sort of Lake of Calandra recombination. 
some may so I mean I think actually thinking maybe Lake of Calandra, we've seen most of the boss drops or most of the unique reviews. I'm gonna assume Lake of Calandra has some sort of final boss or final fight, and maybe it has a crafting secret reward instead of a unique reward. And maybe in this case you actually get to put in two rings and maybe they get merged into one or something like that. And this for to me looks more like something a little bit recombined because I have no idea how you'd usually get 66 resistances on a normal ring, and this is what puts me off. I don't think it's hybrid. I don't think it's... The, I think the secret here is some sort of Krangle drink. There's probably some special way to create such an item, and I believe it is very unpredictable and maybe tied behind some very end-game mechanics to keep it exciting and secret, but I guess we'll see. I, I'll tell you one thing for sure. I was very, very, very sad to hear that they weren't keeping recombinators because I loved them. And now that we've seen these new items, I'm like, oh, no, fair, fair, fair enough. You don't, <laughs> you don't want to let me recombinate jewelry things, this stuff, man. Like, that's, that's, yeah. that's fair. I'm like, you're, if they let us recombinate, you're about to start looking at me like wearing two chess pieces on each ring. Like, that's not, it's not, it's not okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just also, had like recombinate like two two mirror things and then only recombinate yeah. the upsides and not the negative stats. Yeah, never. Yeah, uh, that's no, not going to happen. Like, I get it. I'm still sad that we're not going to have recombinators. I did love them, but I'm looking at it and I'm like, you know, I, I get it. You can't. You can't mean, give even, us this even if they do come back, they don't work on mirrored anymore. So all of the items that we create yeah. with these crazy high stats will not work with recombinators in the future. Sadly, but. Also, reasonably so. <laughs> yeah. Fun fact, I just dug into that ring, and the reason it's level 51 is actually the fire damage to attacks. That's the only mod on that that we know to be level 64. Hmm. High, yeah. high level 64 required. If that We don't know about the minion move speed and minion damage, but yeah. Makes we don't sense. know about those. Or, they could or be how to get 66 well. lightning rays. <laughs> Honestly, the one thing that speaks against this being the result of some absolute like endgame Lake of Calandra crafting reward thing is that this is like literally from the press kit and advertised as minion item underscore bone ring. So this is one example for the new itemization options for necromancers. So I somehow be confused if if they instead of showing us like a straightforward mid-tier ring that it pretends to be with the level 51 requirement uh if they just showed us like a super juiced like endgame crafted thing that like went around a couple of corners to get to the i don't i don't see it i don't see them giving us like some super complicated reward result this needs to be a straightforward ring i'd be honestly i'd be shocked if you can't naturally roll this I'd be shocked if you can, but uh, yeah, that as well. <laughs> I guess I'm shocked anyway. We're just we're just shocked that it exists. Uh, <laughs> well, I guess if you're shocked, at least the leak mechanic is working, or the new gems. You're shocked. You want to get more grand spectrums with the uh, ailment avoidance. <laughs> But there were more. There were more examples of like crazy suffix yeah. and prefix recombinations. Uh, or really? I, I think there was some. This is not the only item, right? Sir Gog. It was definitely two. It was definitely um, another item that was okay. shown. Possibly. Have a look at the this trailer. shield. The shield looks like it has a lot of mods on it. Ghoul Call Fossilized Spirit Shield, also from the same press kit. 
Can you show it, please? Okay, I'll show the, the bone shield, the minion shield, was it? Fossilized spirit shield. Oh, yeah, this, this has an awful yeah. lot of mods, yeah. I agree. Yeah. So... Yeah, minion damage implicit. We got increased energy shield, flat life, flat mana. There's nine lines of text, two of which I identify as hybrid mods. And the thing with the well percentage, yeah. And at least four prefixes. At least still gives us four prefixes, yeah. It's nine lines of text, but two two that are that can be identified as hybrid mods that exist. Like we can we can remove two of those lines, but it still ends up with seven, and it still ends up with four prefixes at least, as far as I know, which is too many, and it's not allowed to exist. Uh, so I know. Yep. Yep. Weird. Um, yeah. I can't wait and to see the just data. Mine one item. Mm-hmm. And it would be just one item. I could assume it's a mistake, but if there's like two items or more, oh, that becomes it's very ominous. Yeah. What imagine there's there's a world where we come into this league and we find out that just you're just allowed to have seven mods now on any item. Like there's a world where that happens. If so you know, happens. Here I was thinking that now you'd be able to have four prefix two suffix rares with a six cap or two and four, and I was thinking, oh gee, there goes a whole bunch of craft of fossil strategies. No more plus one, plus one, one crafting. Yeah, but like let, letting us have seven mods on rares is like, yeah, is that some strong encouragement to use some exalted orbs is what that is? Yeah. I don't think you can actually get like, okay, so there's two options in my head how this is going to play out right now. And the one is the more likely, the more likely option is that these minion bases just get uh, access to a crazy new pool of hybrid mods that we haven't seen before and that you can't get on other items just because... Yeah, minion builds need to compensate for the fact that they lost a lot of power, so they, they have to use special item types now, but they get more stats on that item. That seems reasonable to me. And the thing that's less likely in my head is that some of the Lake of Calandra review uh, rewards that we haven't seen yet allow you to add mods, possibly. Like, either maybe the, the crangling mechanic uh, ignores current mod restrictions or maybe we even get to add a mod to an item like similar to leo's exalt bench from betrayal but then ignoring item limitations like add a mod to an item ignoring (laughs) the the maximum limit of prefixes and suffixes that'd be a cool reward bench well as long as it's capped at once per item oh (laughs) capped it going at a seventh mod or something yeah yeah it it has has to be capped at seven yeah, but it it wouldn't like like it wouldn't change the limit on the item. It would just for that one add a mod, ignore it, and then if you reroll the item, you'd be left with six mods again, right? It's worth saying that abyss jewels do break the existing limits of um, of mod counts on items. Like with uh, there's that trove, oh, there's that atlas passive. I can't think what it's called. Uh, in the northeast of the tree. Yeah, I, I don't remember what it's chance. called either, but it, it allows them to drop corrupted with up to six. Explicit stuff. Yep. Yep. Hmm. So there may be some weird shenanigans like that. Maybe. Or alternately, it could simply be a mistake. I don't believe in mistakes. I, I, GGG is too uh, too deliberate with what information they put out. 
they triple check yep. everything that they put out. Yep. Also, a mistake twice. That that's a pattern. Yeah. And there's so much about this league we don't know for sure. There's so much. I'm so excited. Can we start now? I'm ready. It's just a couple of hours. I'm not. <laughs> Wait, no, I'm not ready. We don't have filters. I'm not ready. Tomorrow's fine. Tomorrow's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I can't live. I can't live without Never Six filters. That literally would ruin the league. Uh, we can wait a day. It's fine. I think well, we to be honest, the one from previously. If it be necessary, we are actually having always backup plans. So we try to fit in as much content as possible on the Twitch stream on the final day. It's really useful to assess some community information. But yep. if it be necessary, we could probably get everything live to work in, let's say, an hour most. But so we are really trying to make the most out of the information. But we always like yeah. to have a backup plan because if something stops working on release day, or we need to have something to get it to work before everything launches. So. Right. Um, because it's one actual hour, code one hour, please. Like there's a chance that something just goes wrong on the final day and you're like, oh, I've broken everything and I can't figure out what it is. The league starts in an hour. You exactly. do able to just go, scrap that, make something live that works right this second mm. and then fix it later. So for the final day, it's only soft tasks left. It does this unique yeah. go into tier B or C? How do we put the divination card? What tier does it go in? But nothing at the st- uh, on the level of coding. Nothing like yeah. we need to expand this new command, we need to implement this new function, we need to expand the backend, we need to make new deployment pipelines or modify any kind of important configuration. Just soft stuff. It's really mostly a way to spread information, to inform the users, to get community opinions in. It's really yep. mostly also advertisement. So it's, since it doesn't work before the start of the new league, uh, we can afford that because it would just break and would, we would just get a million messages. Why does my filter not work on standard? <laughs> oh, that must be the worst. Like uh, on top yeah. of like already like having a fire that you need to put out and everything not working and then getting like thousands of messages, your inbox like literally blown up. <laughs> I, I think I already working? told you once that there was this one guy who started playing and he was <laughs> messaging that his hideout disappeared and the leak mechanic stopped spawning and the leak ended and he he saw the filter broke it <laughs> and he never knew that leaks ended so. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, <laughs> he thought the filter broke the league. That's great. Oh, I thought you were gonna break up that other crazy guy who, who who said that you're like a what was it? I can't get it together. But he he told he told you that he's gonna contact your superior and he's gonna complain yeah. about you <laughs> with your boss. <laughs> I'm, I'm still waiting for his application. You to complain to Neversink's boss. I'm gonna apply and take your job. Like apply to who, bud? <laughs> what? What do you mean? <laughs> oh, that, was a, that was one of my uh, favorite Twitter moments in this last year. <laughs> oh, that was so good. Oh, all right, we had a good laugh. We're all uh, thoroughly confused by the new items, and I don't think we can make any sense of it without more inf- information. Um, and excited. Yep. Confused yep. and excited. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be good to say some crazy stuff happened. Just like the first time I had... Anyway. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> the first time you had a sandwich. Yeah, that's, that, that's definitely what I was going to say. Uh, there's a crazy amount of adjusted uniques. 
And uh, we have been told that they drop significantly more rarely, even though we, we don't know exactly what that means. That could be anywhere between like 20% more rare and twice as rare or three times as rare, even in some cases. But, um, two part question. Do you have any, any eyes on a specific unique that has been changed? And more on a, on a general note, how does this knowledge change your approach to the league start? What build you pick and or plans you make? Never think. Have you, uh, had time to look at the uniques? Thunderfist. Um, <laughs> I have like a 60 list of uniques with notes, how to treat them in the filter. And yeah, quite a bit. So first of all, to keep things short. I think it's easier to plan in this league around boss drops than to plan around random drops. Because, for instance, if I go for something like Thunderfist, I have no chance of knowing if that's um, now T1 level. But if I need something like Annihilating Light, I can actually guarantee that I'll probably get it in like day two latest, because you'll get a lot of those. So this is basically my change to the League Start approach. I'm mostly planning around boss drops or around rare items. Um, but other than that, I'm actually super excited for them reducing the unique drops rate. Um, I've been looking at the filter stats in the past leagues, and there's like 80 to 90% uniques in the hidden tier. And it just didn't feel fun. So I'm not really happy with all of the buffs. I feel like some of them could be more interesting or stronger. But overall, I think it's a good first step. And overall, it's very exciting. I hope they'll actually proceed with this notion. I would rather have much fewer uniques. Maybe some leveling ones, but ideally they wouldn't drop very much in the end game. But these would be very impactful, very powerful. And I think it just adds something. I feel like the idea of... Finding a unique is just something that should be exciting, and they uniques have completely lost their property over the years. So yeah, the real interesting part of this is that I actually expect that at least me as a player and anyone who follows my filters will see more uniques this league than we ever have in the past, not less. Yes, because I have an intention of leaving far more of them on than I ever would because of the divine changes. Yes. I expect a lot of the mid tier. Yes. Things that you would divine to now have like a range where they're expensive on one end and cheap on the other. Whereas in the past, they were always like, oh, this is just a, a 10 or 12C unique. And if it's perfect, it'll be 20 or 30. Now it'll be like, oh, this is an 8 or 6C unique. But if it's a perfect one, it might be 120 chaos, right? Like it might. So the, because of that range and the divine change, there's so many more unique. It won't. It won't affect like the the one C uniques, right? Like you're still not gonna you never divined goldrims to begin with. They just perfect goldrims were that expensive because so many of them drop on the ground, you just bought them. And I expect yeah. that sort of stuff to stay the same, right? Like you'll just you'll just be able to buy good goldrims because they'll still be relatively common, presumably. But like your mid-tier ones that did get wow. divined in the past, they're all staying on. Mm. Yeah, and also you got to factor in like let's let's split out two. Let's break down what Baylor was saying into two categories. There's the lion's roar slash Rumi's concoction, the uniques that are good but that are not all that rare. Those ones, I agree exactly with Baylor on the sort of price trajectory. I've been hiding those five C items from my loot filter in the past uh, because I don't want to trade a five C item. I'm now going to be looting them. I'm going to ID them, and then I may three for one them. 
Then you have the rarer ones, and here we're talking brass dome, which I think will be something you're definitely always picking up brass dome in the next league. If it rolls with a one, two, or a three, you're just going to feed it. You're going to either feed it into a three for one recipe, or you're going to sell it to someone else for that purpose. And they're going to basically sacrifice two brass domes to divine the other one and have a chance of getting themselves a plus five. If you had a plus four, I think someone might buy that as a budget, as a budget chest uh, for more than you could sell a one, two, or three for. But if you get a plus five, that's going to seriously be worth something. And this is going to be something we're going to have to figure out over time. I really don't envy Neversink uh, dealing with exactly uh, dealing with this because stuff's going to be absolutely crazy, and you're then going to have to try and work out what you um, what you really care about on particular items. But then there'll be the top end uniques that people will still apply divine orbs to. And here we're thinking Ashes of the Stars, Watcher's Eyes with great mods, yep. you know, stuff like that. That's actually great. I think this is really, really good for the game. It's a huge power loss for the players, but it's a huge boost for the game. Because uh, previously we were able to pretty much buy the best uniques or divine them. But now you want to identify uniques and find potentially good roles. So I think it keeps things exciting. But at the same time, it's uh, probably the biggest nerf to the players. It's nothing in the skill tree or nothing in the passives, but the actual power nerfs to uniques. Because if your build relied on uniques and your uniques had high roles, like Ashes of the Stars, you will need much more currency, and that means much more time to actually get yep. to the same power level. And I think that's perfectly good because you keep picking up uniques, the economy stays more interesting, cheap uniques will be more available. Because if you find something with a low roll, you need a low roll roomie, and it's better than nothing. You buy it for like one chaos. But if you want a high roll roomie, that will be worth multiple well, divines now. And this is an interesting approach to balancing. And I think this by itself was a bit of a genius move by GGG. And sure, there's some problem with divination cards and shards and acquiring divines overall. But overall, I feel like they've done a really clever move with that. Like from the meta game perspective, I think that's a move in the really right direction to get the uniques in a in more interesting spot. I will just add one thing to what Neversink was saying. A Rumi's concoction that's perfectly rolled should never be more than about 45 times the price of a normal one, and that's because of the three-for-one recipe. Mm, that's a lot of, like, doing it 45 times is a lot of time. Time has value. Yeah, but there will be people, who, but it's actually only 31 that you'd need in practice, and there'll be people who are buying them. Like, you, people will find a niche in, in this game. Yes. And they'll make them very True. efficient. Very, sometimes. very efficient. Yes. But sometimes there's gaps in these uh, niches. For instance, if you compare yeah. the in the fated uh, unique times, if you compare the yeah. uniques that were fated and unfated, there were often huge price gaps between them because people simply didn't bother with that. And maybe yeah. there would be, and the people who did bother would set up such a huge price gap so you had like a 50 chaos item because people are often lazy. But overall, I agree. I think this is actually very interesting. People will actually be buying up unique to do three to one now. And this is, uh, I'm not sure if I'm excited or annoyed by that because you need to trade more, but it's uh, definitely an interesting development. And I think PoE lives from the meta being different every league. So this is good, I guess. I hope. I, I don't think anyone should ever, in any case ever, be annoyed by a sale that happens. No, but by buying. Yeah, that's buying them for three to one is like a choice. 
So if you're doing yeah. that to make profit, you're I not don't think mind. many people will do that. Some will, but I think it's also a very special case. So you need a case where buying three items, you need some super high row items, maybe like in the various, but those won't be too cheap. So you need to find the three cheapest items where the max row or the chance to have an outcome for a high row will be good enough. It's basically the comparison of buying three lottery tickets and the price of the lottery tickets is so cheap or the win is so big that it's actually worthwhile plus the time invested. So I think it's more of a case of that you'll be collecting just some uniques that you might find interesting or have high rows and maybe sell them yourself three to one. But we'll see. It's, uh, it's a new world, I guess. We have to figure out how this works. And what it really accomplishes is it makes feel un- it makes uniques feel impactful and unique again. It really doubles down on their on their identity because previously I feel like when your build was using an item in a slot, say the conversion gloves, it was way too easy. Like even like a week or two in to just buy like a full stash tab of that item and just mass corrupt them, for example. And now with a mm. lot of unique speed being changed to higher roll ranges or at least one stat with a high roll range and then divines being super expensive since and the uniques being less frequently dropped I, I think it's gonna just feel so much better and so much more rewarding if you get like a, a you know a perfect roll gold rim like yeah sure you're never gonna divine that not before the change not after the change but I, I miss those times where like you know four years ago when I started playing the game or even six years ago and uh, you know you, you bar- borrowed a gold rim from from a guild mate to level and then because everyone was playing hardcore back then and then you die with it and then your guild mate's mad and that's just gonna be it's just gonna feel more impactful now it's just gonna be I don't know a more valuable thing to to lend out and to hand around I like that. Yeah, I think that we've been hiding so many uniques. Like someone in chat said 90% of uniques. I do not think it's 90%. I think it's like 98, 95, 98%. And of the ones that you don't hide, a large majority of them were worms, malts. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. that Exactly. Because you can't hide them. And jewels, unique jewels were the main one. Like Mm. you could conceivably hide unique cobalts, maybe. That's that's a dubious choice. You wouldn't, you'd never hide the other two because they were big value ones. Exactly, and you weren't hiding them simply because you couldn't really filter them. This is the only reason they are not hidden. If there would be a way to throw them in the filter and say, "Hey, you just want to see headhunters," the amount of uniques you'd see would be dropped down incredibly. Oh, okay. I was just saying that you could justify hiding all unique cobalt jewels because there's not. Yes, a exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't do it with Viridian's. Viridian Jewel is a leather belt. It's got mm-hmm. one big, big outcome. I've been actually considering doing that, but that would have such a absurd impact on the economy. I'm actually afraid of just touching that button. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a quick Side thought before I forget it, uh, before it leaves me again. I, I'm just looking on the the Calandra page, the reveal page, and the ultimatum is coming back, as we all know, as a unique map. But I just noticed it's an engraved ultimatum. Does that mean that other engraved ultimatums that we had, like inscribed ultimatums from uh, from back in Ultimatum League that we still have as items in our standard stash, are now activatable again or you can open them in the map again 
Or is that different? No, I don't think so. There are different items. There's yeah, it's two engraved ultimatum and items, and I don't really understand how they work exactly, but there's two item types. There's the item piece, and the item piece has been previously only used for one single item in the game, and that's the Harbinger pieces. So these drops that you get from the Harbinger map where you piece together uniques, oh, there's right. the ultimatum the pieces that now drop. And then there's the engraved ultimatum. So maybe we'll find some sort of ultimatum challenge pieces and somehow bring them together. So I think that's kind of my idea how it works now. And maybe it's just something, some sort of meta item that doesn't drop, but they need to make existent. I'm not quite certain how it works, but there's these two items, the piece and the actual final engraved ultimatum. So um, I suppose we somehow find pieces in the vow areas or the vow contents, or maybe you need to find one in each different vow zone, uh, or maybe like one in incursion, one in the vow temple, one, one in... One from Aziri. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. And then you piece them together into ultim ultimatum. This is kind of the my thoughts how it might work, but this is just based on the filter data. So I, think, I suppose we need to find that yeah. out in-game. Blast, I hoped when I saw the item piece that it was going to function like the simulacrum. It's like, you know, you run you run Val Temple, you get 23 splinters. You run Doriani's Machinarium, you get 45. You run Uberatsri, you get 42. And then when you've got a certain amount of them, it, it overflows. But it makes sense if it's the same mechanic as the Harbinger piece, you're going to need to probably get one of everything. And that's going to mean you're going to need to probably get the Doriani's Machinarium one. It'll be rare. That's stupid map again. Maybe, um, but pieces never stacked so far, so it's a little bit weird, but I guess we'll see. Mm -hmm. just they could, they could still just be shards that are just called pieces for no particular reason, right? No, it's a class, and classes define Ooh. how items are treated. So, uh, for instance, a fragment would be something like a do dusk or dawn fragment or yeah. something you get for, you know, to enter or sharpified. But pieces are a very, very special type of items that have been rarely used so far. So, they're usually attached to some very weird mechanics. Maybe there's another piece, but I forgot, but I think it's really just harbinger pieces. And that's why I really don't know what to expect. Maybe they're using it for something mm. else, but maybe these are items that actually trigger some sort of event on the code when you move them. This is kind of my idea what pieces are. So there's probably something... I mean, the only unique thing about the pieces from Harbinger is that if you move them around, they check if they can assemble into a unique. And I suppose maybe this is some mechanic they're reusing here, but um, really, I'm, I'm excited to see that. I just don't know how to treat them. So right now I've just given them bright red background uh, and they look a little bit like logbooks and we'll see how it works. Yeah. Uh, it's just the, the default position when you don't know what something is going to be is just be like show it. Highlight it big yeah. and figure yeah. out whether it's worth it later maybe. But not too big. It needs to be visible. You you can't miss it but don't give it exalted or prices. People are yeah, going to hate yeah, it. Yeah. Imagine if you'd give it exalted orb sounds to every sentinel last leg. Or to every power <laughs> Oh, man. That would uh, be a great it, troll filter. I don't know whether you have that still in your item filter and everything, but I remember when I, I'm using like a very outdated customized version for, for race practice like a customized version that Titai Killer made with like specific sounds for every like piece of currency mm -hmm. that can drop so you know when you get an off-screen transmute drop and you can walk back. And uh, I, whenever I use that on a leak start, um, then the new leak items drop 
with like a really weird formatting, like with super pink and big. And I think that's your like fail proof catch for anything that's not mm, listed yes. in the filter that like it, it gets highlighted and shown. And I mm. really, that, that's just what that reminded me of when you say anything, anything new, just make sure that it's visible. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it also has a double purpose. One purpose is to show new items. And the second one is to help those people who forget to update. I mean, if the filter won't crash completely, which often happens because they move around mods and stuff, you just just if someone forgets to update, they'll still see something. In in theory, if you're running, uh, something's gone wrong. If you see that giant pink, in theory, you're not supposed to. Like that's not. Well, yes, but maybe for instance, maybe there's a new unique, and it's on a unique base type that we've never seen before being unique. So something has been unrevealed, and then it will be pink because it's unassigned before. So the previously, when I just started making the filter, would just say, "Hey, these are the items that are expensive, and everything else is shown like that." Now, basically, for most sections, every single base type that exists has a category, and if it's not categorized, it's pink. And there's also some sort of backend little database that calls the aspect database, where you can assign every single item certain properties, like the uh, dying sun only drops from shaper. So when a ruby flask drops, I don't actually need to consider the dying sun for the pricing. Sorry, the coruscating elixir for the pricing, because coruscating elixir never drops, but dying sun drops only from the shaper. So these aspects are really useful. And together with these aspects, and the steering information, if it's there or not, I can fairly well adjust the unique steering. This is some meta background how this whole thing functions. For instance, I'm going to use a reworked, buffed, nerfed, and strong buffed aspects tomorrow to uh, help the filter at the start to actually see items correctly. So everything that's strong buffed can't be below tier 2. Everything that's nerfed can't be above tier 2. Or everything that's buffed can't drop into the high double tier. Everything that's reworked will have its price slightly higher considered at the start because I'm using previous league economy data, something like three leagues in uh, from the last year, so it can't drop into the high double tier. And this is kind of these small automatic nuances because, um, you know, handling like 900 items, 900 uniques by hand, you simply don't have the brain capacity, especially if you need to redo it. After you've done like 100, you don't really see words anymore because you're so um, <laughs> tired from checking rows, tired from checking APIs, tired from checking PoE wiki. And I'm trying to get automatic updates every four hours done. So this is just, unless I have like a small basement full of gamers doing that non-stop in two shifts, this is really not feasible. So this is a way how I can provide this meta automation so that the PC can do things in a clever way without actually knowing PoE. It's always so fascinating to hear about all these little nuances and like little considerations that go into this filter. Sure, and please and please stop me. I don't want to hook up. No, all no, the no. Time, I, find it, I find dogs. it super fascinating, and I've, I've uh, seen the general notion in chat was also that people enjoy that, so that, that's great. Um, what do people think of three interesting uniques that are getting changed? Like, not necessarily the very best three, but just three that you think are really cool. Well, I'll start because I instantly, uh, I instantly 
have in my mind popping up the the what was it storm charger the boots that leave shock ground because yeah. they're oh, now yeah. like they're in line with how lightning rolls work so they have like a really low roll yeah. and a really high roll uh, or like really high top end and they can roll between one and 40 percent movement speed and 40 percent movement yeah. speed boots sounds really good sure they're not going to beat out your your influence boots with like uh, tailwind and and stuff but you know when you get like a above 35% pair early on in the league. And then they also have, I believe, shock effect duration or shock effect increase or something like that. Some synergy with lightning. They they sound pretty interesting. And th- you want three uniques. Mm. Well, you decide if you want to go with three or you want less. I, I'll have to look at the list again. I, honestly, I've been looking, reading into so many other things. I, I just... Can't keep everything got, in the basket. If you if you add more, then three, things fall out in the back. Balor, what? I got three immediately in my head when you were like top three, and I was like, Thunderfist, yeah, insane, super excited about that. Yeah, I didn't want to say and the then, same. Uh, ephemeral Edge, yeah, oh yep, mm. that one looks so really big. nice. And Cloak of Flames. Oh, Cloak of Flames, I'd agree. Yeah, yeah Cloak, Cloak of Flames being my third. It's like that. Because that works on dots as well, mm. instead of just hits. That's absolutely amazing. Mm. Yeah, I guess that's important to clarify for everyone listening. The mod, the conversion mod for incoming physical damage on the Cloak of Flame unique body armor now reads physical damage taken as fire damage instead of physical damage from hits. They also massively buffed it up to 40%. But yeah, that's... Pretty crazy if you think about how many physical degenerative well, effects are there in the game. I mean, there's also traffic. only one item in the past or one other item in existence that does that, which is the Dawn Breaker Shield and roll yeah. up to 20% fizz taken as fire. And that's the only other item in the entire game. It's the only other way that you can convert damage over time. So you can now get that and the Cloak of Flames and get 60% yes. of your fizz damage over time taken. And this is amazing, especially with some sort of Leer cast and Petrified Blood stuff. I've been already looking into that. This is really, really... And they work so well together. So I think they've been designed to be used together as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Blood Rage. It's going to be so easy to sustain with that. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my god, yeah. Or just stuffing up on Ubrelda. Oh, I'm standing in the bad stuff on the ground again. Oops. Oh, who cares? All right. Do you have any any three uniques? Or maybe just one that you want to highlight? Never think go first? I have a list, but I've took some out of those with the interesting. So I think Arakutsiki is something really interesting. It might not be the best item, but it gives you phasing and elusive now if you're playing around with low life. And I think you need to kind of bounce between being not on low life and being on low life. So it's like what this is wonderful for certain petrified blood builds. But if you can do that, you can basically sustain phasing and elusive with that. And I think it's a really interesting way to spice up this amulet because elusive is a very valuable thing. Um, then definitely heat shiver is interesting. You can combine uh, freeze and so it's it's a rework to frost furno and it, you can combine freeze and burn elements really effectively with them. So I think we will see some interesting things going on. 
And I'm not, I actually forgot how, oh yeah, Ralekesh and Patience, the boots. So the boots have so many crazy and interesting use cases now. You can st stay still and use some sort of, I don't think the 2-4 want is quite weak for that, but just an example, you instantly get all the charges. And I've seen also some people doing some crazy, silly ideas. I think it was this interesting interactions video where you use the Ralekesh boots, you stand still, you weapon swap to another slot where you don't have enough, let's say, dexterity to use the boots. The boots no longer apply, so your minimum charges become maximum charges instantly because they don't get removed. So you now can discharge and can swap back and get all charges back. So there's a lot of really yeah. weird things that will be done with these boots. And just in general, you know, is that how it if works? You can, if you like, if you, you if the, you have minimum equipped and then you remove the minimum, you keep the the charges or you technically keep yes, for the duration sure. until they fall off. Technically yeah. oh, right. yes, Rally and Patience usually has this line that remove charges when you move. So usually it doesn't apply, but if you don't have the stats to wear, wear that item, you can't get the negative impact of the boots. So you weapon swap, weapon swap to a gear set where you can't equip the item, or so oh, let's say you have a high-level gem in there. Yeah, so there's some silly stuff you can do with that. And um, yeah, I've Should been looking... And you can also have these, I think it was Champion that, or Slayer that could apply the Frenzy Charges to their Enduring Charges. Then you have the Blight Amulet so that you can do the same with Power and Frenzy Charges. So you can technically have like 30 charges on the Weapon Swap. Yeah, I can I can see that working. <laughs> that's cool. I didn't say, I didn't think of the Dexterity trick. That's really, that's really cunning. Yeah, that's... Straight up fascinating. Wow. Mm. Crazy. It's a big weapon swap ignite discharge build. Gonna be floating around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's bizarre. That sounds really clunky though. Yeah. I'm not yeah. starting with that. <laughs> it's it's definitely a concept worth exploring though. Oh, there's a new unique helmet announced. Oh wow. Oh my god. Another so good. Live react. Oh, perfect time to do the podcast, really. Oh, yeah. it's so good. Let's have a look. Say this new helmet. Thanks. Hey, help. Okay, I'm slow. What on earth? Everyone has seen it already. I'm still wow. not there. New unique helmet in Lake of Calandra. Okay, what well, we get here? Elevor I'm level ninety-five. I'm level ninety-five. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Wait, that's crazy good. Is it? Well, it doesn't have it doesn't have life, no primary defenses. All right, but can that you definitely... can you self trigger suppress damage? Because otherwise, it's it's okay. It's nice for leveling, and it's nice to get early into the maps and get your ailment and your suppress kept. But unless you can self trigger suppress damage, it's just okay. That I think the item level is the weirdest. I don't think you can as what of now, but there now? may be things that enable that going into 3.19. And also, I think it, it really depends on what enemy you're fighting. Some enemies hit you quite rapidly mm -hmm. with spells. Yep. If you're thinking yep. about, like, you know, Firestormers or, like, uh, yep. Skelly Mages or stuff like that. Could be good for certain boss encounters as well. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. So the... Okay, Dexterity Helmets can now roll with a top tier of 14%. So this is miles above... This is miles above tier one suppression now. Yeah, we don't know how high it goes even. It's unlikely that 23 is the top roll. I can assume at least 25. 
I think it's safe to assume that that rolls up to at least 25. Because 23 is never going to be a max. So we've never, that, would, that would just be weird. Well, I mean, there's weird oh, maximums this- in the game, but... Yeah, yeah. There's plenty of there's plenty of weird ones. I'm I'm done. I just racked every part of my brain to figure out how to get an item level ninety five item, and I can't do it. No, it has um, to be a new zone or like a new yeah, scaling a mechanism. I, I think I believe we were told that the the there's Lake of Calandra tiles get harder the further these stray away mm-hmm. from the origin. So maybe that also adds an item maybe, level. Maybe it's that. No, it's, I think it's that. You can get this from an Ober's Cursed Trove uh, that is impa- that is raised to monster level 85. Then the final room will be 90, and then you have a strong box of Ascendancy. So you can get 95 currently, but that's, okay. that is at meme level. What are you rating the life uh, recovery roll goes up to? 200? 250? 200. I reckon 200. Yeah. Thing is, if <clears throat> if you're doing max res stuff and suppression, two hundred life gain when you suppress is actually a pretty large amount. If you're if you're doing max res stuff as well, you're taking so little damage. I mean, two hundred yeah. life is not negligible at all. I mean, even if you have like eight k life, that's still uh, that's still like what uh... two and a half. Two and a half percent, right? Yeah, that's still pretty good. Like four K life, and it's five percent. Rare shields with like on block rolls are only like five percent. Exactly, that's what they block, and my block yeah. can only go to seventy-five, not a hundred. Mm. This whole thing really lives from the idea if you can somehow deal spell damage to yourself. Maybe there's something you can do with one of the reversed mods that you can put into the. Um, Calandra Lake, maybe in some cases, I don't know. If you have a <laughs> life lost on spell it. <laughs> something and, like uh, you can't put like influence items. You can't put yeah, influence yeah, things yeah. into the mirror. But maybe yeah, I'm I'm just trying to think out because it feels like it's designed so unless it's designed to be just a leveling item or an entry or mid-tier item when you just start mapping, or for just very niche situations, if you're able to somehow loop this, this could be amazing. This could be really, really interesting. See, I look at this and I see this as being a way that you can consolidate a lot of important stats on one item, uh, yep. even beyond normal limits. Uh, kind of like a ring that, like a rare ring that has I see. like massive resists and catalysts on it. Like it's something that is just a problem solver. That's the way that I see this mm. item. Okay. It so may just not be get easy. So just get a lot of ailment resists, get a lot of spell suppression to pretty much cap your stats out because it's the cheapest and best alternative for this level. Yeah, yeah but okay. also you yeah, may maybe. be able to to wear that into maps. Like, I mean, what what are you missing from a rare helmet? I mean, what I mean it requires level 30, which is not... Like, that's not high, right? No, at level 30, this is definitely a winner. I mean, at level 30, 280 evasion on a helmet is nuts. I'd wear this up to an including shaper, I think. I think you drop it past that in progression. Well, yeah, depending on what your options are, but yeah. Definitely crazy good power level for a rare item. For, level uh, for a unique certainly. item. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, if you get at level 30, you can pretty much skip through so much content because you're basically immune to most spell damage if you can suppress it. Yeah. Yeah, true. At level 30, like 200 life would... on suppression is insane. If I dropped that early on, cause on, on, on my build, because I am starting as a ranger, like I'm on that side, <laughs> I would take suppression far earlier than I would normally in my tree just because I had that. I'd be like, oh, so I already have like 20% suppression and I'm near the suppression wheel. I might just grab that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, just grab that. The fact that it's cold is the fact that it's posted with eye level 95 makes me think that this is not something that you can obtain at level 30 outside of trade. Is seven league steps still drop restricted 75 plus or am I wrong in thinking? Yeah. I think it's, well, wow. I think it's T3 drop anywhere and drop restricted level 75 plus. This is why we must kill the racing scene so that we can drop them earlier. I, w- I want a chance to drop seven league steps while on my league start. Yeah. While I be like, oh, I just got to act two and I got seven <laughs> league steps. I'm off. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. So that that's the second one of my uniques. I picked that. That's super interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the last one I already mentioned, Obliteration. I've always been an Obliteration fan. Obliteration is great. Obliteration is love. Obliteration is life. But I've always felt like for the generic power gain that you get from the global explosions that are even unconditional, unlike the uh, Profane Bloom explosions from Occultist, which require the enemy to be cursed, the the ones on Obliteration are unconditional. You get, what what was it, 25 or 20% per wand? And then you get dual wield the wands. For a total of 40. And now what they did is they also buffed the physical as extra on obliteration. You now yeah. get uh, 30 to 40% physical as extra chaos rather than 13 to 15. Which, if you do a wield, getting up to 80% physical as extra chaos is insanely strong. Paired with to Ming's heart to die to any damage and basically have insane damage as well. Mings was on my list of, of like, I mean, it's, I don't know that it's necessarily one of the greatest uniques in the world, but it is just cool. Mings yep. Heart is so exciting now. Yep. 40 to 60% fizz added as chaos, but with a very, the drawback's much worse. I love this design. I think this is just super cool that there's create designs where you have a huge drawback, a huge advantage. Hey, try to build around that. And maybe if you can do that, you can do it in an interesting way. You get a huge advantage. I think that's a really good idea. The same way it goes with Smoku's Heart or whatever it is. Big drawback, big advantage. I think it's a awesome design philosophy. Instead of having this watered down, you get 10 attack speed. Why would they build around that? Why would they even bother? Yeah. Yeah, Ming's is Ming's looks fantastic. Mm. It's just something yep. crazy Absolutely now. Absolutely agreed. Um, side note: that helmet we just looked at, yeah, it's gone. Disappeared. The tweet. The tweet disappeared. It's gone. What? It doesn't exist. They took it down. Yeah, it was up for like two minutes. It's gone. It was so what? evasive. What happened? I still got it open. I'm saving well, it's it. Saving it right now. <laughs> Save the image. I need the image. I accidentally closed it. <laughs> Wait, no, they didn't delete it, did they? Yeah, it's gone. This page doesn't exist? Uh-huh. Sorry, that tweet has been deleted. That is sus. 
Except it's still in the Path of Exile um, Discord. <laughs> Forgot to delete it in the Discord. They can't delete it fast enough. It's too late. They know once something's on the internet, it exists forever. That's... <laughs> That's so, so strange. I, I so wonder what to... went wrong with posting it. So either the stats are incomplete or not the ones that they should be there or they're somehow panicking about the item level. I don't know. Maybe they posted it on the, the wrong day. Maybe they weren't supposed to post it today. <laughs> <laughs> so now they're going to ah. post something else instead. That would be awesome. Oh. Now, there have to be something wrong with it for them to take it away, right? Because... If it was just like, oh, the wrong item, that w- that was scheduled for another day, you'd just be like, oh, well, too late now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> I need more days either. Yeah. But yeah, 95 can be done. Crazy. And there's also comments in chat, people are speculating maybe the um, lake allows an increase in item level, oh, sorry, in zone level as well beyond beyond 84. Or oh, 85 is now the highest. Yeah, I, I, I thought you get like a lot of plus one from the, the lake, right? I mean, when you visit the lake, like you said, it's probably 85 when you go there from the highest. Like if you have a, a lake token from the highest content. And then every everything that you stray from the center might be might actually add plus one level. I don't know. It did say that it gets harder, so that would make sense. They haven't really done that much, though, in the past, like adding zone levels to make things harder. Normally, like, they've started using the Delirium tech a lot more instead. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I do like adding levels, though, just because, like, for some reason, there's still some, like, 86 stuff that's really annoying. Yeah. I mean, some bots that require 86. Yeah, mods that require level eighty six. I'm the, the it's the the actual saddest part about losing recombinators is that we also lost Blizzard crowns at item level eighty six and yeah. other bases because there's just no way to do that anymore. Maybe, maybe there's a way in the Calandra place. Maybe they announced that the Calandra thing have kind of mirrored versions of the leak. So they shown, I think, the Delirium version as Essences or something. So I can yeah. imagine that maybe you can also find ritual-type uh, slots, puzzles. I'm not sure how these puzzle pieces are called. Yep. That would, be, that would be good. I haven't actually wanted to use one of them in a build in like a league or two, but like pretty impactful to lose them. So... Yeah, and they cap at like eighty five would be like eighty five is where the big power jump is on helmets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm so eighty six mod is going. Uh, plus three local minion gems that's being removed. Uh, we've touched on the the exalt and divine orb things. Uh, can we get like a, a round of estimates? How 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 you think are they going to be valued in chaos? What's the the range that you think divines and exalts are going to be traded in next league? And you know, just to be sure that everyone knows that this is purely speculative, we have no way of knowing. Mm. 
I guess never think you go first because you've already obviously asked yourself that question for the for the filter design. Um, I honestly don't know. It really depends on kind of how many uniques are in demand, how much how much harder it is to get a unique than to reroll it. But I would assume that they will be in the range of 150 to 300. As I know it's a big range, but they'll be definitely more expensive than 150. But I also don't think they'll be above 400 or something. Like some people claim, I think that is a little bit exaggerated, but we'll see, I suppose. I think it will be between 150 and 300. I think, but I also think exhausts will stay higher than most people expect, especially if these uh, some mods are still requiring exhausts, and especially if we have possibilities to now mirror items that are non... So I think we'll see a few interesting developments there, but 150 to 300. So more expensive than your usual exalt price, but not exactly out of the world, I hope. Oh, that's fair. What do you think, Beller? I don't even know how to begin guessing at what the price will be, but what I do think is that an exalt will be worth about one third. I think it'll be three exalts to a divine. Oh, well, that's higher than I thought. I I do think I do think I know one of two options that is going to happen in the early league. I think there's absolutely no way that we nail the prices immediately. They will either be well undervalued or well overvalued, and then there will be a huge market overcorrection where it goes in the other way. So if they start out too cheap, they will suddenly get actually too expensive and then settle back down to the middle. If they start out too expensive, they'll get dumped and become too cheap and then come back up to where they're supposed to be. I'm confident about that, but I don't know which way it'll go, right? I'm confident it's going to be wrong and then there's going to be a big overcorrection and then a meet in the middle somewhere. But I don't know what way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that, I think there's a lot of um, overhyping of divine orbs at the moment. The reason I don't think divines will go much above two hundred is that we have like the primary use case for them is going to be metamods when they get expensive, and we have a long term history where the player base has just. Uh, enough of the economic actors in the player base have decided metamods are not worth more than four hundred C that we've never really seen exalts get through that limit before, and I don't think that's going to change with divines. So they might push just past 200, but I don't think they'll stabilise above 200, uh, despite there'll be a bunch of, like, there'll be a bunch of stuff like Baylor was saying where there's fear of fear of not getting out slash fear of missing out will happen, but also there'll be a lot of people who are, like, intentionally feeding that with just bad information because they're, they're going to basically say the opposite of what they think They'll already act one way, like they'll sell all their divines. Then they'll say, um, you know, divines are crashing because they want them to crash and then they want to buy them back. Um, yeah. So there'll be a bunch of stuff like that. But in terms of where I think we'll see exalts go, I, I'm not quite as warm on them as Baylor is. I don't think we'll see them at a third of an exalt, but I think they'll be more than Reddit thinks because. Third of a divine. Sorry for it. There's a bunch of constrained exalts in the game that have been around for a while. Uh, Crikey More Beasts being the main ones. They're strictly worse than an exalt. They can only be used to slam. They can only be used to slam influence items. And they require another specific beast that matches the influence, albeit a common red beast, and two yellow beasts. Those are 21C. 
all of um, 318. Um, so once you factor in, like, the market has clearly decided slamming an influenced item is worth 30C, once you count your yellow base. Then you've got slamming jewels. Uh, I think we'll see exalts probably stabilise for the first... At, at four weeks in, I think we'll see them in the 40 to 60 chaos range, but I do think they'll fall off after that. I think they might fall off real hard. Uh, Divine side, yeah, low 200s maybe. Yeah. Hmm. I like yeah. basing it off the Beast Slam. Like there's still some assumptions yep. made from there, but like that's a yep. better starting point than I feel, which is what I have for my market estimations. <laughs> They're still reasonably close together. Like before I heard all your answers, if I would have had to like just judge it based on my feeling, I would have said exalts somewhere into the up to 50 chaos range. And I would have said for divines 100 to 200 chaos. Now, of course, they I'd, could go higher. But I'd like to make one request of just like the entire community. Whatever we decide prices of divine orbs are, could they be divisible by the space in my inventory? So like 100 or 150 or 200 or 300? <laughs> like, don't go into weird, like, just don't go above 300 because I can buy two for a full inventory, right? And, like, and then just meet in the areas that are divisible by inventory. It's just much better for my brain. I just prefer it. <laughs> Not 600. Can we make it 580? Because I hate having to remove my, my blasted scrolls from my inventory for that as well. Ah, oh, I don't see. I don't, I don't mind that. That's fine. Five hundred seventy. If it's a remnant of corruption, like I just want it divisible by my inventory slots. That's like, like if it's if it's three hundred and thirty per divine. If I want to buy two divines, I now have to do two trades. That's annoying. I don't want to do that. Just, just divisible my by my inventory. That's all. <laughs> that would be great. It's, it's yeah, a reasonable request. Let's see if you can get them to be 600 divided 7, whatever exactly that is, 85 and a bit. <laughs> no. Uh, I mean... Just so we get some awkward multiplication as well. All right. Let's see. Is the helmet back? The helmet's back. All right. It's back on the level. Huh? They removed the level? Why? It's not Isle of huh. 95 anymore. But all the same. I mean, it might. It might be. It we might just be. don't know. <laughs> oh, God. It's the same rolls, too. It's exactly the same it's helmet. It's exactly it's the just... same item. Just throwing and the big thing is, they weren't Spending. pressing alt on it in the first screenshot. So why did it even show the item level to begin with? True, because we didn't see the other world ranges. Yeah. Mm. Time to cue the X Files music. Um. Yeah, I mean, we already talked about the the helmets. It's not much more to say. It's just curious uh, what made them decide to remove the item level. Was it a mistake to release it? Was it an intended teaser? And they just walk back on it, or I don't know. I think they saw the community reaction. I think the community was talking more about the item level than was talking about the actual helmet. Well, I mean, that's an impossible item level. But if it was ninety six, yeah, but ninety five can be done. Hmm. 
Well, I'm pretty <laughs> sure we'll we'll hear we'll we'll hear about it. Um, other things that they posted on the Twitter include a number of quality of life buffs. Have you uh, figured out what's your favorite one that you're looking forward to the most? Yeah. Which one? I hope they get it right. The the one that was that they had said they needed to do more work on with the highlighting the most recently uh, pinged message, like the most recent trade message you've had. Yeah. Yeah, I really oh, like I that one as well, but the highlighting was weak. It's I an unfinished that, that was revealed. My trademark already did that. The thing's mm-hmm. going to remember what Kirak mod I used on the map device. Yeah. That, that's my favorite. And I, I'm going to press fortune favors the brave about halfway through day one of the league. And then I'm yep. just never going to press anything again. <laughs> I'm just going to launch every map forever. <laughs> or heist in tier 16. I told will be the other one. Oh, not because for me. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Just, just any, just, just remembering it is just a, that's huge. I would still go with the ultra wide screen buff that you don't ultra need to. Screen buff. Yeah, that you don't need to develop uh, horse eyes to see your HP and mana because in the ultra wide screen these are the very corners. So um, now they have this UI option where you see those globes more or less in the middle of the screen, like you see them on the regular monitor. And I think this is very exciting. I'm a big fan of ultra wide screens. It makes coding and reading and doing a lot of split monitor tasks much easier. So I'm excited that PoE now embraces that and you have all your buffs, all of your, hopefully the buffs, hopefully the orbs be somewhere middleish in the screen. It's going to be great. It's going to be glorious. You know, I've never been a friend of ultra-wide, but you endorsing the ultra-wide playstyle so wholeheartedly makes me actually consider, a, I, I might be wrong, maybe ultra-wide is the way it's to a cheating. It's a cheating PoE, literally. You see yeah. more off-screen, you can target further, it is... In PoE, you can actually consider it being an in-game advantage. There's games that actually take forbid ultra-wide screen, like StarCraft, or I think uh, most Blizzard games and most competitive games actually forbid ultra-wide screen, and they kind of make those black borders at the side because they provide an Mm -hmm. advantage. And the same is kind of true to PoE. You just see more things, and if you're doing any kind of code work, any kind of development, any kind of scientific tech stuff, uh, ultra-wide is incredibly nice. There is. I would be playing an ultra-wide if I wasn't making content. The only reason I don't play an ultra-wide is because I really aesthetically hate the look of that giant black bar that you have to put on your stream and then fill stuff, and I hate it. I had a widescreen monitor, and then when I moved to a regular monitor, I, I played it in widescreen anyway by just not using the bottom of my screen for a while. And that big black bar on the stream was just an eyesore. I couldn't make it pretty. It didn't work. And I was just like, it just doesn't, this doesn't look right. It doesn't look right. I have to just go to a regular thing. But if I wasn't I've, making content, I'd be playing on widescreen all yeah, the time. I've settled for making my viewer suffer. So, um,. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's this kind of this bottom bar where you just put some commands and information and chat and maybe the cat cam. So, um, yeah. but that's but fair I because I agree. 
in PoE, I always worry, like no matter where I put my camera or the chat or whichever element I have on the stream, I always cover some sort of area that's bio, like, um, that's important to the, the viewers, right? They can't see my inventory. They can't see the in-game chat. They can't see the buffs. They can't see the area name and item level. And yeah, I, I think it's a very elegant solution to just play in white screen, green and, uh, and put all the UI elements outside of the game. Kind of like yeah, that. I just sacrifice my mana bar. It usually doesn't matter that much. Yeah, yeah. true. Fair enough. Well, I'll have to say I'm most hyped about being able to... Well, also the fact that it remembers the map mod that I selected last. But most mm. importantly, that I can track the progress to the Eater and the Searing Exarch on the map device mm. now instead of having to open my map. My Atlas. That's so good, because now instantly when you open the map, you know, oh, this is the one where I'll get my, uh, my drop. Huh. My, uh, yeah, that came a couple of times for me this league. With the Black Star conditionals requiring, I think I took five total attempts to do the Black Star conditionals, and I'd been mostly focused on the Eater side of things until quite late in the league. So that was ended up being something that I had to um, farm a bunch of those. And... I know on one occasion I'd dropped group for something like I didn't realize I was on my 14th and I, um, I dropped from a map before completing it. And that was like really annoying. Yeah. Oh, I, just, I just remembered that I actually did some maps. Oh, this is, this is embarrassing. I need to, to keep a straight voice, straight face when I say this, but I, I did some maps. I was playing softcore trade last league, and I actually did like some maps with delirium. And I went into the boss room, killed the boss. The screaming invitation dropped, and I walked out of the boss room thinking that I'd pick up the invitation later and finish the delirium. And then I left the map and opened the next map and never picked up the invitation. Right. And it was like what four x two x? I don't know. <laughs> I've, I've done stuff like that before. It's fine. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to change. This change is not going to prevent me from doing it. But thing is, if you see it drop and you know it's expensive, and you're okay with the idea of picking it up later, if you lose it, it wasn't a huge loss. You were already rich enough yeah. to not care. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. If, if it was a huge loss to, to you, you would have been seen it drop and been <gasps> and just instantly been over there and not cared about the delirium, right? True. That's the only reasonable way to yeah. look at it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very nice viewpoint. I constantly forgot about the uh, Searing Exa counter, and so I was just mapping and chaining maps, and every 20 maps or something, I was constantly surprised that, oh, I dropped something expensive. Oh, it's that again. And maybe I should reduce it to a Divine Ops sound or something, because <laughs> it's somewhat of a predictable drop. No, they're super valuable. They are super they are. valuable. They are, yeah. they are. You know, because... they're the best thing you will get drop in that map. Mm. Uh, almost always. The, the real, like the, the 28th one. All right. We've all, it's been talked to death, really, but maybe there's some points that we want to quickly go over with the new trickster. Is there any uh, overrated or underrated passives that you'd like to highlight? And uh, if you're going to play it, at some point in the league, what skills do you see work with it well? 
All right, I'm going to have a hot take. Heartstopper is tremendously underrated. Heartstopper is phenomenally good. And despite the fact that it's not always active, if you well, average the mitigation that it provides, uh, so it's a 50% to be 40, uh, it's 50% to be 40% damage mitigation at any given time. The average amount of it is um, equal to the champion fortify node that everyone takes for four points. Now it's worse than that because it's unreliable, but I think that it is going to be a tremendous amount of mitigation. And I think people will start shifting to it, especially for fights where you are taking dot and hit damage simultaneously, like Uber Elder. Against like Uber Elder, this thing is worth a thousand hit points. Yeah, people people don't rate it particularly high because it's not consistently a stat that you can rely on. But you just phrase that it's not active all the time. It is active all the time. Like 50% of it is active all the time, right? Like at any given moment, you benefit from one half of the passive. And for me personally, like with with, um, timed buffs and stuff like that, I really like the time of need on Guardian, and I think that's underrated for the same reason. Because only like for one out of what was it, one out of two seconds, one out of five seconds, you get that region. Yeah. But how it ends up being is that if you take damage that doesn't warrant an instant flask, and you're sitting at like sixty percent HP in an Azaro fight while leveling through the acts or something like that, right? Let me quickly bring it up so I can I yeah. can get the wording right. Time of need has every four seconds you regenerate 30% of life over one second. So 25% of the time you have a decent region and 75% of the time you don't. But now what happens is that most or a lot of the times or 50% of times when you take damage and the region is not active, it will only take one and a half seconds for the region to kick in. So if you get hit and you're sitting at 60% and you're like, should I flask up or do I circle around the boss and wait to regen up? Then it's going to kick in relatively soon and it's going to top you off. And um, yeah, the same way with the, the, the damage reduction of Heartstopper, when you're we don't have the damage over time reduction active, but you need it in 50% of times, it will take less than two and a half seconds until it's active. So here's, here's, here's the problem. One of those is recovery. You've assumed you've survived the hit. You've got the defenses to survive the hit. Having recovery on a timer is fine. Heartstopper, I think, is worthless unless you're a righteous fire trickster, basically, because then it's always relevant. Because here's the thing. <clears throat> if you've got the right thing up randomly when you take that kind of damage, great. But here's the other option. You don't have the right thing up. You have the wrong thing up when you take the damage. If you don't die, you never needed it to begin with. And if you do die, it was worthless. <laughs> Which means it does nothing. It is of no value at all. It's the most trash node I've ever seen. I hate it. Mm, I can't, I I can't I agree. agree. Oh, on hardcore, boys. definitely. On hardcore, definitely. If you yeah. die, like you, you half your m- amounts of time, you die. It's terrible. But on softcore, think about that. Let's say you spend half the portals on a boss. So half of the times, this saves your butt because you either get uh, attacked by shaper balls or by shaper, I don't know, beam. And half of the time, it will save you because you play bad. And the other half of the time, you die. Well. Of course, you still die, so it's not consistent. So it's definitely worse than many other things. I absolutely agree. It's also great for Righteous Fire. 
I think overall it just gives me a bit of a meh impression, and this is more or less my whole impression for the trickster in general. It is good, and it is mathematically definitely good, and uh, increasing your action speed by 8% is good, and being freeze immune is definitely good, but overall it feels like, unless, and I mean in this case, or in the case of Hardstop, at least I know I can put on a Righteous Fire character, but I think it kind of feels to me that it's a little bit aimless. It's just a generalist class with decent nodes and Heartstopper is decent and you will save you some portals or make your life a little bit easier. But I don't like, you know, if I'm playing if I'm playing, let's say uh, Lightning Continent, which I will be and I think, well, I need consistent shocks. Elementalist, boom, I know what I'm doing. Or if I'm playing, I don't know, if I'm playing an Impale build, I know exactly, hey, I want to compare this with a champion. Or I'm playing a minion build, or maybe not now, but Necromancer is definitely a way to go. So you have these things that allow you to specialize and get a very strong, specific advantage. And I'm looking at tricks like, I kind of like this, but there's no flavor in that. It's just a fairly meh stat stick. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, have, I, have, I have one more point. Not that I'm actively trying to change your mind, but also... The reason I say Heartstop is the most garbage node is because I'm not quite looking at it in a vacuum. I'm looking at it as that takes two ascendancy points. And I only have eight. And I only have eight. Yeah. And when I look around Trickster, every single thing, there's no build other than Righteous Fire that I would ever, ever, ever take it on. Which means at, at that point, it doesn't matter whether it's still like acceptable on its own in a vacuum. It becomes trash by being surrounded by things that are better than it, and it just not being an option for anyone. I don't think that it's. I think it's often going to be your fourth choice. Depends on Ooh. the exact stuff you've got. Polymath is the only one that you automatically take, and then there's the question yep. is: Do I go the escape artist for for maximum um, buffer? Or do I go for for the, everything except escape artist? Well, I think you don't take escape yeah, artist. You lock out of the. Well, if you're playing a dot build, you don't gain anything from the overage node, so you're not going to take that. And then you've got the suppression node, which is not worth four points. Escape artist is sort of all right, um, but so that's one option you can you can go is if you're playing a hit based build. Oh, sorry, if you're playing a dot based build then you ignore Escape Artist, you take everything else because Heartstopper is better defensively than Escape Artist is as a two-pointer. I would would still not. Because we are no longer in an era of the game where you are mostly dying to one-shots. You are dying to multiple hits in a short period of time most of the time. There's not an exception where you stuff up on a boss, um, but most of your deaths are to getting... You know, killed in a quarter of a second by a bunch of different things, and often, in fact, most of the time, it's a combination of hits and dots, and that's why Heartstopper is better than people give it credit for. Um, I don't know. I'm really stuck on like, if it's got the wrong thing up and I don't die, then I never needed it, and it doesn't give me any help. And if I've got yeah, the wrong thing up and I yeah. do die, then I die fifty percent of the time. In which case, ill. 
which that, is and fun. that might apply to you and to me and to like 80% of players out there. But if I look at play on the top, on the highest tier, there's people often utilize, for example, focus, which has like an uptime of mm. like four or five seconds as well, right? And you actually time your entire skill rotation in the way that the moment that your focus is up is the moment that you stand still, you stand in front of the boss and you get that damage in. So if you're actually a mechanical god and you have a really good awareness of which phase of your character you're in with hearts, stopper you can time it so that the moment that the less damage from hit comes online you're in that spot you're standing still and you're getting that damage in for five seconds and then for five seconds you lay low you walk around you know like for something like cirrus would be perfect because cirrus has a lot of dot when you're moving around in the last phase right you have the the ground dot yeah. at least on uber cirrus which is insane and then like every once in a while you want to stand still and cast your abilities and that's what you do exactly when you get that five seconds uh, less damage from hits I'm yeah, and there's a bunch of other things that you can do as well. Like you can you can be aware of what's going on. But people use left click molten shell. If you want to talk about a defense that is unreliable, now I, I don't generally like this as an approach, but people sincerely do that because they think it makes them a lot stronger. Well, Heartstopper is that but better. Yeah, except that when I see people doing that, I tell them off and I make them stop. Because I think <laughs> that, that is also shit. I mean, so, yeah, manually casting Molten Shell or Castle and Damage Taken, I think, are better. Yeah. But, um, again, that's why the Champion 4-point node is better than Heartstopper, but it's not an option on a build that can use Heartstopper. <laughs> that would, if you had the choice between taking both of them and they had the same opportunity cost, yeah, take the Champion node because it's better. But this is going to save a lot of deaths, a lot, lot, lot of deaths. 50% of the time when you're dying to one type of damage, it will save you. And when you're dying to a combination of types of damage, it will save you more than 50% of the time. And that's a lot of the time at current endgame, especially with, um, you know, a lot of my deaths last league, Searing X stuck bad stuff on the ground during the thing with Wrath of the Cosmos. And you're taking hits while you're standing in that. Well, Heartstopper prevents you. Um, Eater of Worlds, trash mobs that shock you. And then, because that was early in the league that I was Eater, uh, they shock you. And then they keep hitting you. Well, 50% of the time, it saves you from that. Uh, Uber Shaper, you're clipped by a beam and you're hit at the same time. Might save you. Not even necessarily 50% there because the beam, even if you're on the wrong cycle and it's the beam that you're getting 40% mitigation from and then you take a ball, uh, maybe 40% less of the beam plus the ball is less in your life. I think, yeah, anyways, I, I'm, if I do go Trickster, I'm going to be, um, I'm going to start with that and just see how it feels in practice. But I'm, I'm impressed by it numerically hmm. for two points. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's definitely underrated, like in the general, general verdict. When I look at the entire Ascendancy, and after hearing what some people said about it, I'll have to I'll have to say it does scream endgame to me. This is not something that I want to leave start with. This is this is definitely like a re-roll sort of thing. Because specifically polymath is <clears throat> super interesting that getting the the more damage based on how many different masteries you have. But how many masteries do you have pre-maps, right? Like <laughs> you really need that level 90 plus, level 95 to to branch out and get all the masteries. Uh, likewise, you have the strong energy shield synergy, which is also sort of an endgame thing. 
And overall, you have a lot of really good bonuses from the Ascendancy for your character, but nothing that's like a generic damage boost for you while leveling, like a generic power boost. Well, the, the one thing that comes closest would be Polymath, and I just mentioned that you don't have the masteries to back that up. This is not something I would pick in Normal or Cruel Lab, because it will just not give you that much. Well, I don't mind if you're Cruel, but that's the recovery. Yeah, if you've true. got three masteries, I'm fine with that note as Cruel with three ma- unique masteries. Yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> well, well, I guess my point is that all of these things get better the later in the game it is, right? You take one step ahead first, you take polymath second, and then you, you respec later if you want something else. Yeah, that's completely fair to say. This is not the writer for leveling. The under, other ascendancy changes were quite underwhelming. Is, has anyone found any redeeming qualities about them? Or is it just going to... They're not game changers, right? Like, the the, the Pathfinder change is sort of weird. The, the Chieftain gets its damage doubled on the, the passive slam ability. And uh, the Juggernaut has its one passive split into two, which kind of... Yeah, the 40% increased region is great, but... The Jug thing is a buff in general, but not massive. Um, It certainly makes Brass Dome better at mitigating elemental damage than it already was. Um, But the fact that it's now four points means that you're paying a real price if you want to... If you want to go for, like, it's hard to fit in. The power is there, but it's, um, and it was Jug's, it was one of Jug's weaknesses was elemental hits. Yeah, but it's not good either until very, very late. 8% of armor right. is, like, nothing. If you have, like, 10k armor, having 800 of that apply to elemental damage from yep. hits, which are already was- mitigated by your resists. Some of it was showing in math earlier where it became pretty relevant around the 50 to 60k mark. Like if you get there, then it's a pretty good note. But if you're only at 10 or 20, then it's eh. And to be fair, you will get 50,000 with Brass Dome, with with Brass Dome Determination, Post Nerf Defiance Banner, and uh, a Granite Flask will get you to 50 on a jug. Yeah. So... Basically, it's great when your granite flask is up. When your granite flask falls off, it's serviceable. And then if you get to the point of getting mage blood and granite flask, then it starts looking a lot better. Yeah, fair assessment. Yeah, there's really not too much to say about the other changes. The jug change is probably the one that lends itself to discussion most. Uh, The pathfinder is just weird and confusing and... The chief yeah. is like, yeah, sure, you doubled the, the slam damage for the, the power strength skill, but I, I, I honestly, I have yet to see anyone use that. <laughs> it says something about how bad the node was, that you doubled the power and it's still not exciting. <laughs> well, there's just other really good exciting nodes in Chieftain. Like, there's other things, Chieftain defining things, I would say, yeah. that I'd pick before this, and yeah. I mean, unless I specifically want to make a build around being a chieftain slammer, I don't see that being used. Sadly. 
Uh, okay, um, before we discuss our league starters, one quick point was flash charges on hit nerf. So they took down the maximum that you can get flash charges on being hit. The, the prefix mod on flasks went down from seven maximum to three. Yeah. And that opens up a lot of space for other flask prefixes potentially, because now all of a sudden the flask gain on hit is maybe not the very best prefix to use in all situations. I think it's still strong. Yeah, I think three is still plenty, but it's going to be much harder yeah. to get three than, I mean, it's going to be as hard to get three now than uh, as it was previously to get seven. So I, I'll still take three, but will I take one or two over reduced charges used or increased flask duration? I don't think so. You would only take three. I think, think I agree. I think that's the whole point. If you take a look at what GEG is doing in the past years, months, and this league, is they basically tell if there's something that you would always take, and it's completely optionless, we don't want it in the game. Something like, hey, everyone took that 50% mana reservation note. Everyone was taking the flask charges until they could maybe mage blood or something. And everyone was running with the two silly apes with their minion build, because uh, yeah. charges were just such a bullshit... Uh, level of damage when it comes to minions. And I'm not saying that the minion changes are all fine and stuff, I'm just saying that this is a power source that was so crazy strong that it out basically outshined any other option for many, many builds. And I think what yeah. they've done is just say that, hey, you know not you know what? We're not okay with you having this sort of incredibly potent single use power source because it basically kills itemization altogether making the game boring it's exactly the aura stacker argument when aura stackers were basically a thing in the delirium league at the end of the delirium league 70 percent of the poe ninja had using was using the exact same tree like no difference exactly the same same tree same juice with some minor variations on what they could have basically on what they could afford but there was yeah. not no variations at all. And that's the same thing with the flask charges. Everyone was running them. GG saw that and said, no, it's not fun. We want you to have some sort of thought and interesting ideas and maybe some different uh, strategies involved in your decision process. So here, uh, have this thing nerfed, which often leaves some sort of power vacuum and often means that there's something that the player misses. So they are usually better at finding the problems and finding ideal solutions. But to be fair, I think it's in the right direction. It was a little bit way too powerful and you could sustain non-stop flask in so many situations. So I do understand that. I don't think that's intended to be played like that. I, I did make like a 1x build that was a Pathfinder that just rolled. Yeah. Yeah. Five of those flasks and had auto use on full and 6% life gain. Yeah. And you just go and stand in a 60% exactly. delirious tier 16, stand in the middle of it, go AFK, and just watch your life just do this constantly. So, like, it was a little OP. It was yeah. a little OP. It's, it'll be fine. It'll still be fine. With three charges when hit. Three, right? it'll still be usable. Mm. It just yeah. won't be like my default mandatory must have on every build that isn't wearing a mage blood. Right. But on yeah. that specific mm. setup that you mentioned with the Pathfinder and the life gain... It would so probably it still get used. Yeah. But that's fine if you're like in a specific mechanic where you want a specific thing that synergizes with it, great. When it's the right choice for everyone all the time, bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's really the important takeaway for anyone listening. Is like, you know, GGG is not trying to you know, take away your power just for no good reason. They're just trying to take away the obviously best option to open up 
that slot to make it an interesting decision once again to to find out what you're putting there. I'm always a fan of is there's, there's really, at least in my brain, only two solutions when something becomes so mandatory that everybody has it. And that's either you just roll it into base and accept and balance around everyone's going to have that, or you remove it, right? Because mm-hmm. like, otherwise it's boring. If it's a non-option, you need to either just give it to everyone or just take away the option. And the problem is also that sometimes it's not an obvious option either. And in that situation, you have you just widen the gap between the players that understand this option and how to get it, and the players that don't know it's even that it's even there. And then you find yourself in a situation where the players that know about this option are finding content trivial, but that content is just inaccessibly hard for someone that's um, that's not there. I mean, a good example of this would be hypothetically. Imagine that the like at the moment, if you're an end game player, you find the shape pretty easy on a six link. Uh, you know, gem levels 23 days into the league. Um, but if you didn't know about orbs of fusing and so you were, like, stuck with three and four link items that dropped, then in that situation the Shaper might feel pretty overwhelmingly high-studded. And that's because, like, okay, you've rolled that in. You've you've designed the encounter around the assumption that players will have a five or a six link when they're fighting him. He's balanced mm, accordingly. His, his life is set based on that. But for players that didn't know, and this is obviously a ridiculous example because fuses are thrown down your throat, but if you didn't know that fuses were a thing and that you could you could link items, then you'd find the shaper too hard. I think that's a great example, but um, there's I think there's an even more and an even more acute thing that you can compare to this. And it's actually, it's even a double example because it's the blessing. I think the situation with the blessings is... Very interesting. In the past league, a very small percentage of actually of the players were using blessings, but there was, but pretty much every single streamer, every single experienced racer, everyone in those groups was using a blessing because it was just so powerful to run yeah. an extra aura with increased effect. And the funny thing that happened is that this actually didn't change. And so many builds would just be running Eldritch Battery now. And I think the only thing they managed to do is kind of killed off Petrified Blood for a bunch of builds because. Uh, <laughs> Because the blessing option is just so much more powerful. So, um, but yeah, I absolutely agree. If you don't know about this fact, if you don't know about this fact, you are in a disadvantage because it's the only viable road in the million roads you can take. You're actually in a double disadvantage because you even don't don't even know where to go to. So maybe if you if you have like five viable roads and you encounter one of them randomly, so you roll your flask, you get like oh reduced charges. Reduced charges doesn't sound so bad. But then uh, only the knowledgeable player knows there's just one good mod there. So I think the example is quite good. <laughs> Somehow the, the example that you brought up, Sir Gog, reminded me of that new player's tale where people think that, I think that's been brought up by many different people, but like, uh, where people think that sockets uh, and support gems and and uh, skill gems need to be in sockets adjacent to each other rather than just in the same link. <laughs> yeah. the, the game yeah. becomes a lot harder if you believe that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of mistakes people have during the early acts, but the early acts are tuned to be forgiving enough that, you know, as long as you're slowly methodically clearing, not trying to blitz through, you can get away with uh, having major errors like that and usually you pick it up about the time that you're in Act Six and asking people why is it why is it taking me 
you know, 20 minutes to get through this zone and other players are blitzing it in two. And then you realise, oh, I've got something fundamentally wrong. I've learned what that is. Yep. Yeah, that's... Uh... That's all very insightful. Now, with all these things in mind, what build are you guys going to leak start? Let's do a closing round where we quickly go over over our leak start plans. What the what league are you playing in, obviously, and what what build are you going for first? And in a wider context, what what are you trying to accomplish with that build? What atlas passes are you going to do with that? What's the larger goal? And well, let's start with Balor because I know Balor has a, a very well laid out plan. Ah, uh, the plan no one should be copying unless you already know what you're doing. But I will be starting as a lightning arrow dead eye. Um, this is a cast on death portal build. I don't <laughs> have defenses. Um, I also don't have life. I'll probably have like 2.8k life and no armor and no evasion and no suppression. Uh, running tier 16 delirious maps. So I don't like have to hardcore? ask in which league you're going to be playing. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, soft, soft core trade all of the time. This is a, uh, I, I put out a video showing what I league started, but I made it very clear. This is just me showing you what I'm doing. You should not do this. You should absolutely not do this. Do not, do not copy my league start and then complain to me about having a bad time. I promise you're going to have a bad time if you start what I'm starting. <laughs> Um, it basically requires you to... I'm doing it because I'm going to be in full MF gear hopefully by day two yeah. with an aura bot beside me. And so I know I can accomplish that and I know I'll be able to make enough money to do it. And if you don't know that and don't have an aura bot friend, you're going to have a bad time. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Or you can drop a few tiers. Like, that's the other thing people can do if they're in that situation. Drop, drop tiers when you're by yourself. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, yep. I mean, I, I've already seen you play Lightning Arrow Deadeye last league, and I'm not sure, maybe the league before that, but then not at a starter. And yeah. Uh, yeah, same plan. I'm intimately familiar with it. I know exactly where its strengths and weaknesses lie. I know exactly what I will be able to do on my own. I know exactly when I need the Aurobot to be functional. I know. I know everything I need to know about that build to be super comfortable with it. I actually don't even think it's the best league start for a Deadeye. I actually prefer the Venom Guy build that I saw come out. Someone put out for Deadeye specifically. I can't remember who put it out now. Um, but but I'm, I don't know that build and I haven't practiced it. And there's a lot of benefit. There's a lot of benefit on being very intimately familiar with your League Sat build and knowing where all the power swags are and what it is you will be able to do and won't be able to do. Huge benefit to that. And I would rather have that knowledge and benefit than pick something that I know is like objectively stronger, but I've never played it before, and I have no idea what I'm doing. That will slow me down too much. That's not I worth think it. that's the the truest statement you've ever made on this podcast. I I couldn't agree more with you. It's so much more important to be in, intimately familiar with your build, your progression, yeah. and the capabilities of your build than having a raw, powerful build. Yeah, especially even even more so in hardcore, I'd say. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, 
Neverthink, have you actually been able to make uh, extensive leak plans already, or is that going to be a last-minute thing tomorrow when mm, all the filter blade works? A little on? bit, a little bit. But I'm going basically for exactly the reverse of what the Balamage is going for. For me, PoE is about the pass. So I absolutely dislike playing the same build multiple times. So every leak I deliberately start something, intentionally start something I've never played before. And I absolutely love trying out new skills. And even if I sometimes fall into absolute traps, I don't really have usually economic plans. So sometimes I go, for, hey, I want to farm up a mirror fast or a mage blood fast or something like that. But I really usually want to try out the new content and the new bosses. And I actually didn't do that last league. So in the exact league, I reached 4040 and I had basically explored all of content, but I felt like the last league was a little bit boring. There were no skills, there were no new mobs in the Sentinel League overall. It was just basically a juiced up league with some um, number increased bosses with a few small new mechanics, so I got bored of it very quickly. So I'm really excited to try the Lightning Conduit uh, build. It feels like it's really mechanically new. I've seen some interesting takes on it by Psy, Zizzer, and DS Lily, and I'll probably stick with the modify tree of the DS Lily build and probably will go with Annihilating Light or something similar and just go and try to enjoy a new build and see how I can optimize it. I really like this unexplored area. I feel like when there's nothing to explore and when basically the best options are already laid out, it just feels like I'm beelining towards a go and the whole creativity and thought and exploration is taken away. And this is something that I, because I don't really care much about kind of stacking up currency and making currency guides. This is just not something I'm very interested in. So I'm really excited to try out Lightning Content because it's something entirely new when it comes to builds and how it plays. Yeah, uh, and it's also, it also seems to be reasonable power, reasonably powerful. I've seen a lot of uh, yeah. conversation about it, and even after it got adjusted, it still seems very powerful. I think it's a bit good. I, I've, I've run some numbers, and I actually spent some time POBing the last days because it was so exciting for it. I think it will be quite good. I think there's a lot of things people might not expect. There. I actually made a small video on it. People might not expect uh, where it runs short because you really depend on the shock scaling and... You really don't want. I see. I see a lot of people planning around this lightning arrow conduit uh, vo uh, vortexic idea, and I think it's a big trap because a lightning conduit has a zero point five cast time. You'll be like alternating between two skills, and you probably go mad. And uh, getting a mirage archer to fire faster than lightning uh, than the conduit is going to be really, really tough. It's like a double the speed gap, and it's kind of this cast on crit problem there. So, but I think it has a lot of opportunity. It's a very exciting skill with an interesting form, and it's just something new. So exciting, yeah. Yeah, I I, I couldn't agree more about the excitement. Uh, mm -hmm. Before I I talk about my uh, very very carved out league starter plans, uh, let's give Sir Gog a chance to uh, tell us what's going on. Well, firstly, just speaking of um, shock stuff, I put a, I made a calculator for how much shocks hit for that I just shared around the Discord chat. I, oh. I don't know if you've got anyone wants. Like I got it um, hosted as well. But I think one of the things a lot of people are missing with that is that it is a lot harder to, to inflict big shocks on certain endgame bosses. For example, the Uber Cortex is the highest effective ailment threshold boss in the game. Its effective ailment threshold after you factor in the damage reduction is 30 million. And you are going to require a lot of investment to shock that thing for more than about 40%. 
but a lot of the other bosses, like once you get past normal Maven, you start looking at um, at ten million plus uh, yeah. ailment thresholds, and those are going to be really, really hard to to land on. So just be aware of that, and it'll be quite different in contexts where you've got a, a a trash monster that you can hit in the same encounter. Um, but that should hopefully be some use in terms of just getting a sense as to how much you're going to be shocking for. Uh, in terms of my own plans, I have currently 20 and a half hours to finalize something. I've got a fairly safe plan that I was that I had in mind as a potential backup, if nothing else jumps at me, was always going to be some sort of chaos dot skill. Now, Bane Occultist is very safe, but I was trying to force uh, Solren into it, and I haven't yet managed to solve it. Uh, Solren is getting a two gem level buff. And I've got Solren in a position where I think it's like almost good enough uh, that I'd be that I'd be okay to go with that, but it's at the expense of being quite squishy. So that's one thing I've got as a as a possibility. I may go the Solren occultist. Um, I may go with some sort of um, trickster build that I haven't yet decided. And if I do go the trickster build, I may league start as explosive trap saboteur and then transition at some point because explosive traps have been like a little bit worse than seismic for a long time. And now that seismic's been taken out the back shot and then its corpse has been dug up and shot again, um, explosive trap is looking like it's the best, the best trapper. The problem with it is the graphics look hideous. (laughs) And that's coming from someone that plays with screen shake on for the laughs. So, yeah. That's where I'm thinking at the moment. I like if I don't have any flash of inspiration, uh, day one I'll be a uh, I'll be a saboteur, a saboteur explosive trapper with a view to a day three or four respec into some some zany trickster thing. I don't know exactly what I was going to go with the new shock skills on a trickster, but then the changes that were announced yesterday widened the gap between elementalist and other ascendancies on it. Like they made they made elementalist. Uh, they they hit non-elementalist builds worse than they hit than they hit um, elementalist ones, and so I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to try that on a on anything other than either a ranger that has the nature's the fury of nature uh, nodes, which you can't afford on day one and only exist day one, or an elementalist. <laughs> so, short is I haven't answered, I haven't decided. Yeah. Yeah, similar here. I mean, for that all sounds very good, and you're already actually kind of influencing me, affecting me, thinking, oh, maybe that sounds interesting. But what I was thinking originally was I really want to do uh, uh, fast leveling on day one again, and I'm fairly familiar with the armor brand cremation on either Witch or hmm. Templar. I also really still want to get a video out about that because that's been one of the best leveling strats certainly like in the, in the absolute top for templar and witch for the past year or two and it, it really needs to be adjusted so the last time when i made my video about speed leveling orb storms and wave of conviction in 2019 that got uh, nerfed shortly after and armor brand cremation emerged shortly after so maybe maybe if i make a video about armor brand cremation this week then hopefully it will get nerfed if it gets enough views hopefully it will get nerfed next week <laughs> so there's going to be a new leveling meta to figure out. No, but like I'm a brand cremation, really great. I, I did it in Gauntlet. I did it on on any sort of league start where I could fit it in. 
And this time I was thinking to yeah get to maps on Armor Brand Cremation and then transition into Absolution Guardian. Even though Absolution is kind of decent for leveling by itself, but I honestly feel like if you don't get a Val Summon Skeletons early, leveling as a summoner is just more of a struggle and more... I mean, it might be different with the new gearing, but if you take into consideration the actual intention behind the changes, that they get less power from Ascendancy and from gems and have to invest into gear, it actually probably makes it more painful to level as a summoner. And that's even more reason for me to just level as a spellcaster with my flat damage to spell vendor craft and um and then yeah probably absolution guardian because i felt the build was almost unkillable when i played it in gauntlet and even with the you know it being unclear how we're going to scale the offenses of the build with the new items uh, i think the defensive capabilities are really good even if I, I lose access to spell suppression obviously but i can go uh, get a meaningful amount of block and get some max resists I think that's going to be great. Alternatively, I'm looking to go for either yeah some some vortex elementalist or uh, the ice trap inquisitor. But oh, cool! Yeah, I'm not sure about the the sunblast how it, how it's going to feel with having to wait until the end of the trap duration for them to trigger. Uh, and there, there's too many uncertainties. Uh, I'll probably just go with Absolution Guardian because, like Balor said, you know, it's it's all important to know what you're getting yourself into and where the power uh, yep. peaks are of the build and and what you need to get going. So probably gonna go with that for the first couple of days. I'm starting in in hardcore trade this time around. I I really wanted to do another softcore trade league, but I'm already going to play a lot of softcore for gauntlet practice. Right, I mean, it's pseudo hardcore, but it's always a, a softcore private league that you do gauntlet practice in. And I kind of want to start gauntlet practice really early this time around, so like three weeks in. And then I was like, I don't want to do SSFHC to start. I don't want to SSF softcore, and I've done softcore trade last league. I'm going hardcore trade because also I heard Zizarin is going hardcore trade. Ziggy D is actually playing hardcore for the first time in ages and also going for hardcore trade. And I hope that like, you know, there's a snowball effect of big creators making small creators go hardcore trade because there's people in hardcore trade and then viewers going into hardcore trade so that we can have one big group found league in hardcore trade. That would be amazing. (laughs) If those people stay there multiple leagues in a row, I believe that'll happen. This one league, I don't think that that knock-on effect will happen very much. But like, if they all enjoy it and they're all like, "Hey, we're going to keep going hardcore trade," and they do it again and again and again, like that—that'll bring a lot of people back to hardcore trade for sure. It would definitely be nice because in the past, uh, league had a two or three day hardcore filter generation outage because for a special algorithm I needed the soft Breachstone and there was none listed for three days and I had to bug fix that specifically for hardcore because you people had have not enough of those basic Breachstones and stuff so that's tail- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, it's just hardcore trade things alright yeah. well that about sums it up is there any closing remarks that you guys would like to bring up before uh we say our farewells and good lucks to the new league. Oh, I'm good. I'm trying to think if there's anything. I don't. Nothing really jumps out other than that it'll be interesting to just try and discover all sort of weird stuff. It's the discovery phase is why I'm going softcore. Yeah, I think it's it. 
I mean, as a content creator that's mostly on YouTube, it's like the discovery phase is an important period, like to find that stuff. And you, if you're in hardcore and you just wind up having a six six hour setback or a twelve hour setback, that's um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Huh. Oh, I'm, I can't wait to see all the great revelations. But yeah, if there's there's no closing remarks other than what we already said, then there's nothing left for me to say. Then uh, thank you for coming on, for making time on this uh, very busy uh, league start hype cycle uh, to talk about all these lovely topics so close to the actual league start. Um, if you've missed the podcast in the beginning. Wow, I'm blanking. Guys, viewers, listeners, if you enjoyed the podcast, make sure to check it out in full. If you've missed the beginning on all the podcast platforms, it will be uploaded on YouTube and stuff. There's bonus content like the pre-podcast and post-podcast discussions on my Patreon if you want to support the creation of the podcast. And um, definitely go and support the content creators who make time to appear here. In this case, uh, go follow NeverSync, follow Sergog, follow Ballermage and support them on their journey in 3.19. And we're going to have another podcast where we talk about all the revelations of the League Start weekend on mm. Monday at the same time as today. That's Monday, 22nd of August, 9 p.m. GMT. And we're going to be joined by Big Ducks and Shack Central, two of very pop creators who are probably, hopefully, going to have some insightful commentary about the new league. And until then, I wish you a wonderful League Start. Make sure to not pick any bait builds. And uh, make sure to, to not <laughs> log out in the first hour or two to land back in the queue. Make sure to deactivate your logout macros and uh, and get a good item filter from, from filterblade.xyz, courtesy of NeverSync. All right, guys. Thanks and have a wonderful league yeah. start. Bye-bye. Thank you for thanks the invitation. Bye. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming Thank on. You.